us make sacred pact. I promise teach karate, that to my part. You promise learn. I say you do, no question, that to your part. Deal? Steal. Air hockey. Wax on, wax off. No mercy. Sweep the leg. The crane kick. Breaking ice. Bonsai trees. Japanese hand drums. The hand drum technique. The typhoon in Okinawa. Beach training. Terry Silver. The wooden practice dummy. And Kata. That just about sums up Karate Kid 1 through 3, and I think we're done here. That's it. Have a good one, everybody. Thank you. Just kidding. We have to spend lots and lots of time making fun of Daniel LaRusso. <sighs> this is the deep end, which you may know as our supersized season finale episode. This is the season three finale. I'm Kevin. I'm joined by Jim. Jim, are you Miyagi-Do or Cobra Kai or other? I would say uh, I like to be impartial, so I'd have to say other and the guy who i believe is the underdog the true underdog out of all three movies is vidal from the very first all the dude doing the spin kicks and stuff he's the one doing the spin kicks that has been referenced i think he was referenced in future movies but i know he didn't show up in the second all valley tournament but vidal was fucking badass cool for the last two deep ends we also did two pool checks this time around we're gonna do one extra large pool check that we think you'll enjoy very large very large if you've just started listening recently and this is your first deep end instead of covering one movie we cover movies with sequels in this case we'll be covering three movies so a movie with two sequels and some other stuff i'm gonna get into (laughs) karate kid was released in 1984 followed by Karate Kid 2 in 1986, Karate Kid 3 in 1989. Despite three movies being released over a five-year period, the story takes place just over a year, year and a half. Except Daniel kind of aged quite considerably when we get to the third movie. A little bit. Each movie begins immediately after the last. So even though the movies were filmed and released over five years, as Jim said, Daniel ages a bit despite this only being a year later. However, all released in June. Every single yeah. movie was a June release. Yep. We may touch base with 1994's The Next Karate Kid. Oh, should we? And it's better than three. <sighs> and 2010's remake with Jaden Smith and Jackie Chan. Never ever saw that I've one. I've never seen it, but I actually hear it's pretty good. Okay. I don't think we'll mention the animated series that I forgot exists. Oh, that's right. Yeah. But we'll definitely get into Cobra Kai, the sequel television series. Cobra Kai season three made the animated series canon because the animated series follows around this shrine and the shrine then appears in Cobra Kai season three with chosen and all that with the others. Yeah. So it's weird. Season three of Cobra Kai makes the animated series canon, which. And this past season of Cobra Kai was quite good. Quite good. I mean, me and you have our frustrations. We'll talk about it. Yeah, I think it was probably the worst season of the three but I enjoyed still it. not bad just they kind of we'll they, talk they about shoot it later, themselves in the foot yeah they return to the well i think one too many times they need to progress a little bit more so there was also a nintendo game which doesn't say much because everything got a game 
Well, plus it was made by LJN, and every time you see an LJN logo on a Nintendo game, it always spells doom. But a Broadway musical is currently being developed, which gives you an idea of the cultural impact of this series. Yes. Because that's a whole different market and audience. Now, will they do a Karate Kid that's in the vein of Hamilton? Could we see Miyagi do a whole... Alexander Hamilton routine. A doubtful. Damn it. Uh, the franchise probably responsible for why there's still a karate dojo in every plaza in every city in America 36 years after the release of the first movie. Not so much anymore now, the way the economy has tanked because of COVID. True. But yeah, there's karate still a thing. It was probably attributed to this movie. I did crazy. taekwondo. I mean, it's a form of karate. I did it for two years. Yeah, I never did. I just... I, I hope to not offend anyone out there. My my oldest daughter, she wants to do karate and I don't see the benefit. I'm like team sports, you get camaraderie and stuff. Where are you going to go with, with Taekwondo or what if she becomes a very like Cobra Kai-esque, you know, just a wants to just I, beat the shit out of people. See, I, I do like the idea of her kicking ass, but like yeah. there's, she can do Jits, you know, she can do jujitsu, she knew Muay Thai. Yeah. Not so much, you know, Sensei Bundy or whoever. I don't know. I think as a father, though, you would be apprehensive if she's going to get into mixed martial arts. And yeah, I don't know the the reality of seeing her covered in blood. And that's why she has to be the best. That's right. The best around. Nothing's going to ever keep her down. Yeah. So, uh, Jim, we now know the influence of these movies, but let us know about budget box office of just the first movie and what was going on at the time of that release all right everybody all you miyagi does and cobra kai's out there just so you know the very first karate kid was released on june the 22nd 1984 with a budget of 8 million and made 90 million dollars at the box office pretty good return on that yeah good. surprisingly large budget for 1984 for the karate kid and plus 84 was jam-packed when it came to mm -hmm. movie releases we've talked about it, it in previous it, it's episodes not, i mean ralph macchio he was in the outsiders but like I, that's all i remember him from i don't think he was really coming off some major thing that he was like hollywood's it kid so they got him dirt cheap which was even better so some of the events that happened in june of 84 one of kevin's favorite shows growing up welcome to the fun zone hosted by dr demento airs on nbc television i have no idea what you're talking about i neither do i i just thought maybe you'd be like oh dr demento good guy i have <laughs> no guy. idea who he is good guy real good people one of my favorite albums not really born in the usa the seventh studio album was released by bruce springsteen captain america himself everybody i know you all got out there and ran to your national record marts or your hills department stores and got that on a big big piece of vinyl and also in 84 two big movies were released gremlins which we covered the second one and ghostbusters which we covered on the season one deep end with ghostbusters 2 and one of the most amazing albums of all time, Princess Purple Rain, was released in June of 1984. Plus, so without revealing what we're covering with our... Oh, you put some stuff out on social media, but without yeah. giving a spoiler for our pool check, I will say that after researching for the pool check this week, I actually did watch Purple Rain last night. Why? because it may come up later that's a good point it's I, a great it's a great movie i've only watched it once i, yeah, I quite it's, enjoy it it's it's out there it's fantastic. different it uh, ranks right up there with miami connection for me you know it's one mm -hmm. and the same because prince and dragon sound yeah. sound exactly the same so the number one song in america in june of 1984 duran duran's 
the reflex. Wow. You know, not probably one of my favorite Duran Duran songs, I must say. I prefer Hungry Like the Wolf or Rio, but yeah. this is a great one. Or when I used to be a big MMA fan, Mirko Krokop coming out the Wild Boys by Duran Duran. <laughs> a guy who would always kill a guy with a left kick yeah. came out the Wild Boys. Right leg hospital, left leg, leg cemetery. cemetery. That's one of the best promos of all time. And, of course, the number one movie in America, no surprise, Ghostbusters because yeah. this came out at Something the same about 84 time. and these properties that launched sequels because like you said we had Ghostbusters we covered and the sequel we covered yep. Gremlins 2 and Karate Kid now our second we defense, covered so. uh real oh no real genius came out in 85 but I mean, it's still it's crazy what came out 84 85 alone yeah unfortunately no sequel to real genius no because we didn't need a realer genius mm-hmm. where Kent Gets revenge on Chris Knight and Mitch. Revenge. That would be a good title. Kent's Real revenge. Genius 2, Kent's Revenge. Just make sure you don't say it too quickly because the, the E might change to another letter. And Same thing. Yeah. All right. Let's kick in to the plot for the first movie. Let's do it. Daniel LaRusso moves from New Jersey to Reseda, Los Angeles, California with his mom. This bitch boy is the only teenager <laughs> to ever be mad about moving to California. Mom, I don't want to go to New Jersey. California. It's not, sucks. It's not even like inland California no. either because... He's by the fucking ocean. Yeah, he's like right by the ocean. He's like, Mom, I like Jersey. It's like, all right, bitch. Look at those palm trees. Damn. Do you know what that means? Yeah, watch out for falling coconuts. Wise guy. No more Newark winters. I like winters, Ma. Oh, you like sore throats. You like frozen toes. I don't like smog. Did I tell you about the pool here? About a hundred times, Mom. Okay, so make it a hundred and one. Open your eyes, my darling son. <laughs> Daniel hits things I off. I never knew you had this hatred for oh, Daniel it, LaRusso. We're going to talk about it a lot. Oh, I gotcha. Daniel hits things off with a girl named Allie. Good. Hey, did you lose something? Yeah, I hope we're not bothering you. Hey, how do you, um, how do you jump? Oh, it's pretty easy. Oh. But Allie's ex-boyfriend, Johnny Lawrence, isn't happy about it. Johnny's the star student of Cobra Kai Karate, and therefore, it's not just Johnny who makes Daniel's life hell. It's all of Cobra Kai, including Psycho Sensei John Kreese. I don't know why I thought you were going to say Psycho Sid. Psycho Sid like, from Sid WWF. Vicious. Lucky for Daniel, his only friend other than Allie is his apartment building's maintenance man, Mr. Miyagi, who gets referred to as Miyagi for the first half of the movie. Yeah. Yeah, Mr. Miyagi learned in Okinawa. That's where he's from. Daniel LaRusso, Miyagi-Do Karate! Miyagi, Miyagi-Do. Miyagi-Do Karate! Mr. Miyagi just so happens to be a karate master from Okinawa. Daniel and Cobra Kai form a truce that they will, uh, they'll not give Daniel shit if he will compete at the All-Valley Karate Tournament. Daniel enters, where all of Cobra Kai roughly try to injure him prior to reaching the finals. In the final, Johnny is instructed to finish Daniel off by sweeping his leg and injuring him. No mercy. But Daniel implores a crane kick technique to take home the trophy. That's right. And that's about it for Karate Kid 1. And the crane kick just swept the nation. How many times did you stay in your living room and try to do the crane well, kick? Well, there's a great scene where they're training on the beach. and He's on that little like, yeah, wood Yeah, Miyagi's plank. on a little, yeah, a little wood thing on the beach. Silhouetted. Yeah, and, and Daniel says, what were you doing over there? And he's crane technique. Crane technique. What was that you were doing on those stumps over there? Called crane technique. Does it work? 
If to write, no can defense. Could you teach me? I first learn stand, then learn fly. And let's also bring out the fact that Pat Morita never had an accent in real life, by the way. He, no. just, he was born here. Yeah, it's, it's almost offensive to himself. Very much so. Yeah. And during the process, John reaches over and clicks on the monitor. And mega mogul Jerry, you know, uh, he starts uh, talking about all the business. And he looks over and he goes, hey, wait a minute. That's a Miyagi. That looks like a Miyagi. Who the hell is that actor? And John says, that's the Pat Morita you refused to read for this part. The rest is history. So the characters in this movie, we have Ralph Macchio as Daniel LaRusso. Your best friend. Pat Marina just mentioned. Elizabeth Shue as Allie Mills. We love Elizabeth Shue around here. Damn straight we do. Martin Cove as John Kreese. William Zabka as Johnny Lawrence. You've got the rest of Cobra Kai, who I won't mention uh, by name. No Dutch? Yeah, Dutch was played by Chad McQueen, and he did not return from, for Cobra Kai. One of them, I think just recently, I think the guy played Tommy? He's guy? in the show, yeah. yeah. Rob Garrison's in the yeah. show. But no Dutch for some reason. He was uh, too good for that show. But we can also put William Zabka up in the pantheon of best 80 douchebags. You couldn't leave well enough alone. Could you, little twerp? No, you had to push it. Now you're going to pay. He's incredible. He's a phenomenal. He's in just so many good things. We covered him in just one of the we guys. Did just one of the guys. He's in this movie. He, he returns as Cobra Kai and finally gets uh, some revenge. National Lampoon's European Vacation. He's the bad guy in Back to School. Uh, anything else I'm missing? He's he's fantastic. Oh, that's right. Well, he had a very very small part in European Vacation. He was Audrey's yeah. boyfriend. Yeah, and Jack. The, and then he, his role's not all that big in Back to School either. No, but not at all. Same idea. Same idea as just one of the guys. But he plays a great just dick. Fantastic. Excellent. So let's get into best scenes for Karate Kid 1. How about you go ahead and go first for this movie? Daniel going to the Halloween party dressed is a inconspicuous. I use that quote very loosely. He dressed like a fucking shower. shower, Like a dweeb. Yeah, I've never danced in a shower before. A friend of mine made this point. It's funny. Isn't it great? So uh, where have you been hiding? Well, I haven't been hiding. No, I haven't seen you around. Have you been looking? Sorta. Sorta. He, he went as a fucking shower. Yeah, and he's and he isn't he just wearing he's wearing fucking pajamas in he's it. He's just wearing his clothes. Looks lazy as shit. This whole movie, Daniel looks unkempt. He looks unkempt. Looks like he hasn't taken a fucking shower in three days. Yeah. He decides to show up at this party to hide, to hide yeah. as a massive shower. Yeah. Now Cobra Kai. This was also my first scene. Cobra Kai dress as skeletons, skeletons which is i think legendary oh they're awesome it's great it's basic but it's fucking spectacular yeah so somebody dresses as a giant set of chicken yes and they're throwing real eggs yes that, and yeah, the one second that daniel's curtain is open while he's in there with ali he gets hit with an egg mm-hmm. so he goes to the bathroom to try and get the egg off his face when he's in there and I don't want to steal your thunder because this is your scene. No, you're exactly right. But when he goes in the bathroom, he happens to see Johnny in the bathroom stall, minding his own business. Just taking a shit. Taking a shit, rolling a joint. Yeah. And Daniel cannot help himself because he's a little prick. Yeah. He's got to take a hose. And turn the water on. And turn the water on Johnny. Now, say if he was taking a shit 
It's a double whammy because if you get wet toilet paper, what are you going to wipe with? Yeah. He's got nothing to wipe with. It's the fact that, what was it, a couple years ago when Cobra Kai came back out, didn't somebody release a YouTube video saying, you guys have watched The Karate Kid the wrong way for so well, long. They, and they do it on Cobra Kai yeah, also. Daniel is the actual bully yeah. who came in and just wrecked Johnny's life. Yes. And it's if you think about it, if you watch Karate Kid using those type of glasses, it's pretty damn accurate. Yeah. Because he stole his girl, tried to fuck with all of his friends, fucked with him, and then took his title away at the mm-hmm. end. I mean, come on. Yeah, so Daniel sets himself up for the ass kicking he gets from Cobra Kai. He pretty sets much. the water on Johnny, and he may have got killed even because... Some of Cobra Kai are trying to pull Johnny back. He's had enough. And yeah. Johnny's like, no. Hey, leave him alone, man. He's had enough. Oh, shut up, Bobby. Look at his gut. You can't even stand up. Go on. That don't mean squat. Johnny, leave him alone, man. He's had enough. All the sides, but he's had enough, man. What is wrong with you, Johnny? The enemy deserves no mercy. Right. 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 But then Miyagi shows up, saves the day. He kicks him down that fucking side hill. Yeah, agrees that, uh, well, actually, at that point, I don't think he agrees that he'll train him because there's the whole reason he agrees to fight Cobra Kai at the All Valley is because he tries to go to Cobra Kai to sign yeah. up, Yeah, which is weird. Miyagi takes him back to his maintenance shed and puts that stinky ass shit on his eye or something like that. Yeah. I can't remember what it was. I don't think he ever disclosed what it was. Okay, so my first scene is wax on, wax off, paint the fence, sand the deck. Tell me wax on, wax off. Yes! 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 Show me paint the fence. Is that what he says? Sand the deck? Yeah. For the longest time growing up, I always thought it was, you know, wax on, wax off, paint the fence. And then all I ever heard was, say, say. I was like, what the fuck does that yeah, even say, mean? Say. Sand the deck. Sand the deck. So Miyagi agrees to train Daniel. Using hard labor. But exactly. <laughs> he puts him. Be my bitch. To hard basically. labor. So he, he goes to Miyagi's house. He has to paint the fence, and when it's painted, he has to paint it again. Traditional, you know, Japanese home. Yes, and that looks like lives Miyagi off the owns side of all these cars. Which Daniel says, "Hey, where where these come from? Detroit," is what Miyagi says. Yeah, Daniel's got to wash the car, wax the car, but whenever Miyagi sees him just doing it lazily, he shows him. He has to do it. Miyagi puts Daniel into indentured servitude. Basically, that's all he does. So finally, Daniel's fed up. He says, I'm just your slave here. What are you doing? And he basically is like, try and punch me. You say you train me. Yeah. And then he's like, uh, show me, show me wax on wax off. Try to punch me, blah, blah, blah. Hey. And hey. you find out he's been training him all along. Lazily, lazily training him. Yes. So that, I mean, it, wax on wax off is pretty iconic. Yeah. It's pretty damn legendary. My number two scene is when Daniel decides to take Allie out on a date. Yeah. Thank you, lady. Right. Have fun. Thanks. Hey, look at that slide, huh? Yeah. We'll come back and do that next time. Come on. Hey, why next time? Because we need bathing suits. 
Oh, yeah. Bathing suits. Do you play hockey? Oh, uh, well, you know, not professional. <laughs> To one, I remember as a little kid going, man, this fucking place has every go water slides, water slides. Uh, what was the name of the place? They you revisit it in season three yeah. of Cobra Kai, but it's one of these cool places that you never thought you'd ever see as a kid. And of course, it's you know Daniel's bonding. They're playing music in the background. You're not really hearing that much vocal tones, but you know they're sitting in the photo booth. They're taking pictures like and air hockey, playing air hockey, and they're just being cutesy, touchy. You play tag, I play tag type shit. And it's Allie and Daniel son bonding. I can't believe I just said Daniel son bonding. Yes. And I always thought that was a a good scene. Yeah, it's legendary. Up. Also, yeah. and it reminds music in the background's me, uh, great. One of our favorite places. Uh, we're based in Youngstown, Ohio, we've mentioned before, but we have, I don't maybe an hour from here, we have Geneva on the lake. Oh, uh, Ohio and Ocean. Yeah, it's it's on Lake Erie. It's an old school vacation resort. Yes. That was then taken over by the Hells Angels. Then it kind of resumed family, and then there's like a truce like Cobra Kai and Miyagi-Do, except it's between families and the Hells Angels. Yeah. Because now you get a mix of both. Anyhow, they have a place at Geneva on the Lake that's basically the same idea. It's Virtually, yeah. It's Adventure Zone or something it's called. They have a zip line, mini golf, yeah. little water boats. Yeah. At my bachelor party, which we rented a house at Geneva on the Lake, we saw someone try and commit vehicular homicide with that's a go-kart. They, they were playing Mario we Kart. We were like drinking all day, and we should not have been on go-karts. We no, not don't advocate for drinking and driving, especially go-karts. Please don't, everybody. And while we we were all racing it like your turn was over the employee gets out on the track and this guy tried to run over the employee big time with a full speed and then he gets out and he's like trying to get people to high five him it's like no dude you just tried to kill a teenager idiot yeah so uh (laughs) my next my my final best scene for karate kid one is everything up until the finals at the tournament one point round kick eight So, because it's a montage set to Joe Esposito's You're the Best Around. Exactly. It's like... It's your standard 80s montage. You see Daniel fight other members of Cobra Kai. Vidal. Yeah, you see Vidal fight Johnny You see in the semifinals. Shout out to Larry B. Scott, who we know is Lamar Luttrell. He's a Cobra Kai. Kai. You see the, uh, the large guy. I think he fights... So Daniel in the first round, he fights Johnny. I don't remember, but I there's a, remember. a very large He's kung a fu competitor. Yeah, Haas kung and, fu. And uh, yeah, so it's it's just, it's a, a, a classic 80s montage. And then of course, my third one will go into the tournament. It's the finals between Johnny and Danielson. Yeah. Sweep the leg. You have a problem with that? No, Cincy. No mercy. To the point where we even get the whole Miyagi physical therapy routine of. Well, Daniel's already taken a beating. And then in the semifinals, I think he fights Tommy. He does. And John Kreese tells Tommy, take him out. And he said, but Sensei, I can beat this guy. Yeah, he and he says, 
I don't want him beat. I want him out. And then he commits the leg death on he him. He does. But and then, then immediately as you're, I'm sorry, Daniel. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry, Daniel. I'm sorry. It's like, where was this fucking love for him I, the entire time? I hoped, well, there's another. After, actually, after the finals, I'll let you talk about the finals. But yeah. after the finals, something I don't know that they've covered in Cobra Kai is Johnny hands Daniel the trophy and says... You're all right, LaRusso. Yeah, because you never thought there would be a second or a third movie or yeah. a series afterwards. So he made amends with LaRusso. Johnny, this brief redemption. And we'll talk about that at the beginning of Karate Kid Part 2, where it goes from there, because it expands yeah. so, outward. So Daniel goes into the finals with an injury. With an injury. So everything is against Daniel. You're thinking, okay, there's no way. Cobra Kai is going to win this in a landslide. Johnny's got this on lock. However... Your trope, your normal trope of good always trumps over evil. Daniel finds a way, institutes the crane kick, play that very dramatic music in the background, and you see Miyagi do the nod. Yep. And then he goes into the crane, and then boom, got the final point, and then winner. Yep. Ali runs the stage. Miyagi is just so proud of Daniel, and he does that. I find it weird that Miyagi doesn't really rush the stage. He stands way back. And he has that side shot of him just doing the yeah. the quick nod. It, the only thing worse than that is like uh, if you watch Le- Legend of Bagger Vance. I don't know why I thought you were going to say Legends of the Hidden Temple. If you watch Legends of the Hidden <laughs> Temple and the uh, the silver silver Aguana, monkeys or silver, something, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Now in Legend of Bagger Vance, Will Smith's character, which is Bagger an Vance, interesting movie, mind you, he leaves before it's he, over. You're leaving. Yes, sir. Yes, I am. I need you. No. No, you don't. Not no more. He walks into the darkness on the golf course. Yeah, he tells uh, Juna's character, all right. And he's like, are you leaving? All right, Mr. Juna. Yeah, he's like, yeah. And he leaves. He doesn't see the end. I think he walks into the ocean and he becomes a mermaid. Enter Splash 2. So at least Miyagi sticks around and nods and smiles, sort of. Because he could have left. He could have just said, peace, I got to get back to my bonsai tree. All right. So that wraps up the first film. With the success of the first Karate Kid, the sequel was released almost two years later to the day. Jim, give us the budget and box office and what was happening at the time of release for Karate Kid 2. All right. So in real life, two years in the movie, the same day. So it takes place right after the All-Valley Tournament. And then add six months later. So this comes out on June 20th, 1986 to a budget of $13 million, so $5 million more. But it ends up making $25 million more at the box office, rounding out at $115 million made. People were craving for a sequel and help. They only waited two years for a sequel. Best way to do it. All the news happening in and around June of 1986, Moscow newspaper that Kevin and I used to subscribe to all the time <laughs> before Putin took over, Pravda announces... High-level Chernobyl staff fired for, and I quote, stupidity. Oh. No shit. Because let's see what Was happened. that stupid? Yeah. I don't know what happened. Did you not pay attention? Did you overwork yourself? Did you push the wrong button? That led to the worst nuclear disaster up until Fukushima in 2011. And here are some amazing sports highlights. Take it away, George Michael. Good evening, everybody. I'm George Michael. Welcome to the Sports Machine. American tennis player Ann White shocks Wimbledon by wearing a white one-piece Lycra bodysuit in a first-round match against Pam Shriver. The horror. The horror. And if you've ever seen pictures of this outfit, you're like, okay. Yeah. You know, nowadays we're so used to it because... 
you know, sex sells. Oh, yeah. And Serena Williams, who by far is the number one tennis player probably of all time, just wears these jumpsuits a lot to your thing. She's going to spill out. Ass almost hanging out. You watch like uh, beach volleyball at the Olympics and it's uh, pornographic. And if you look at this suit that Ann White wore, it looks like something that a woman would have wore to a pool in 1925. Mm -hmm. So it's not that bad at all. And one of the best athletes of all time, 1985 Heisman Trophy winner Bo Jackson signs a three-year contract to play baseball with the Kansas City Royals. And we can never forget the iconic scene of Bo Jackson running up the wall and around the wall and down in Kansas City. One of the best two sports athletes of all time. Yeah, the best player to use on Tech Mobile, but you can't use them if you're playing against somebody because it's just unfair. No, it's not fair. That's why everybody, if you've ever played Tecmo Super Bowl as a kid, you will always know, yep, can't use the Raiders. No, That's off limits. No, Bo Jackson. Like if you played the original Tecmo Bowl, you couldn't use the Bears because of Walter Payton. The number one song in America for June of 1986, which kind of threw me off. I did not expect this. On My Own by Patti LaBelle and Michael McDonald, the Yamo wow. Be There man himself. Never, ever heard that song before. I'm I shocked have, that I have, but I'm just, uh, yeah, I'm shocked. It's an afterthought. It. The number one movie in America this time is the William Zapka vehicle, Back to School with Rodney nice. Dane, the Triple Indy. Yeah. The Triple Indy will survive. And that's all that was going on, according to us, in June 1986. All right, let's chop into the plot for Karate Kid. I see what you did there, Chop. Two, yeah. This movie begins immediately following the events of the first film. After the All Valley, John Kreese attacks Johnny's, choking him out in the parking lot. Mr. Miyagi intervenes, and he humiliates Kreese, and he saves Johnny. This is the end of Cobra Kai for the time being. Pretty much. Allie has dumped Daniel, and she did. Rightfully so. She's dating a UCLA football player. Typical. Daniel's mom has taken a job in Fresno, which is their way of getting her out of the movie. Oh, what a dump. Yeah. The six months later, Miyagi, after, this is six months after the All Valley, Miyagi yes. gets a letter that his father's dying, and he returns to Okinawa, bringing Daniel along. Hey, Mr. Miyagi, wait up, I'm coming with you. My mother said it's okay. I mean, if it's okay with you. Okay. Very expensive ticket. Well, no, no, I got the money out of my savings account. It's all taken care of. Savings for college education. Wait, so I'll get a job when we get back, and I'll go six months later. It really doesn't make a difference when I go. Job's very hard to find. What? Yeah, I, I know. I mean, Samyagi, you're more important than college. You're more important than anything to me. I mean, you know, when I need you, you're always there for me. I just, I, I really want to go, and if it's okay with you, I, I'd like to go. Due to some history with Miyagi and a businessman named Sato. Sato, so coward. You return to settle affairs with father and with me, Sato. I know fight you. Then you die as you have lived. Daniel immediately makes an enemy in Chosen. I mean, this prick Daniel, he's hated everywhere he goes. Even around the world. And frankly, it's because he sucks. He's a piece of shit. He gets off an airplane and instantly this dude's like, I don't like you. I don't like you. I know you're up to no good. You're going to try to steal my girl. So shit's getting bad between Miyagi and Sato. I'm sorry. And Miyagi tries to go back to California with Daniel. But Sato arrives with bulldozers and he basically is going to, he's threatening to destroy Miyagi's village in Okinawa unless they fight. 
It's these are two old ass men, and yeah, like, who doesn't want to see? We that. gotta fight. What are you doing? I said, land. Why? Why you think you will destroy village? No, you will. You win. I fight you. So the day of the fight that's supposed to happen. A massive typhoon arrives, which is a real interesting scene. Because you don't think you would know this a couple days out. Well, I, I've got a bit about that here in a minute. All right. Miyagi and Daniel save Sato after he's trapped in typhoon wreckage. I'm Daniel, sir. Easy, Sato. Easy. I got you, old friend. This squashes their beef, and he then, the next day, comes to assist Miyagi in rebuilding the village. I come help rebuild. Here, D2 village. Forgive me. I beg you. Oh, Sato. Nothing to forgive. At some point during all of this, Daniel meets a girl named Kumiko that has he has a thing with. She invites him to the, I think it's called the Obob Festival. Yeah, you're right. Where she performs a dance. However, her dance is interrupted by Chosen doing his Shawn Michaels impersonation. <laughs> Behind you! So then, don't do this. I was wrong. Hate is wrong. It's over. I cannot hear you, Uncle. I am dead to you, remember? Huh? Chosen, you are your uncle's finest student. Not disgrace him here. Your student disgrace me. I have been dishonored all because of him. As Chosen, he zip lines in, he takes Kumiko hostage, and he challenges Daniel to a fight to the death. Yes. Chosen is beating that bitch ass and he gets a boost, uh, but then Daniel gets a boost when the spectators start doing the hand drums. How are the hand drums, man? So Daniel is like, he's reeling, he's about done, and then the hand drums start kicking in. And Daniel remembers the hand drum technique that he was taught. And he defeats Chosen and asks him, live or die. Chosen uh. chooses death. Live or die, man. Die. Wrong. Huh? Not tea and cake. He chooses death. Cake, you know, because cake or death, that's a pretty easy question. Everyone, anyone can answer that. Cake or death? Uh, cake, please. Very well. Give him cake. But instead, uh, cake, please. <laughs> instead of choosing Very death, well. Daniel has the blow. He's ready to kill uh, the guy, and he honks his nose, just, uh, to, just as Miyagi did to Crease at the beginning. And I will never, ever, ever for the life of me get the fucking purpose of doing the honk thing. No idea. But that's about it. So we had returning characters. Ralph Macchio, Pat Morita, Tamlin Tamita as Kumiko. She's in Cobra Kai. Looks amazing, yeah. too. Yuji Okamoto as Chosen. He's also returning. Danny Kong as Sato. And then you've in the opening sequence, you do have Martin Cove return as John Kreese and Zabka as back as Johnny Lawrence. 
You see the ref, the guy stuck in the 70s that announces the tournament. Yeah. He's back in it. He looks like well. Biff Tannen from Alternate 1985. So I will start this one with my first best scene. It is the previously on Karate Kid. Very impressive win, son. You showed a lot of poison. All right. Really? Nice. People are going to be talking about that last kick for years. Congratulations. Why does he act like that? That guy just doesn't know what karate's all about. Yeah, well, maybe he should learn. Would you like to teach him? No. Good luck, Daniel. Thanks. See you Take guys. care. Thanks. Thanks a lot. It's like the way, <laughs> the way on a sitcom or the way on like Lost. Last time on a Karate Kid. Yeah, it's like the they give you. I, I don't know how dumb they thought the audience was. Very dumb. It's only been they were two like, fucking years. It's been two years, and they were like, "All right, we're gonna give you." five minutes and show you everything that happened a montage everything that happened in the first movie and then just give you a sprinkle like one scene of new stuff to advance the story and then just six months later but i i like i just i don't think i had ever seen a movie i'd seen tv shows do yeah but not a movie never a movie be like when everybody and their mother went to a rental store and rented that vhs tape on a constant yeah, they just they show you what happened in the first one. So that's my, my first. My first one is when Daniel and Kumiko are at that bar. I'm here, not here. It doesn't make a yeah, difference. Why? You, why? you think you can do better, Big Mouth? Huh? You think you can do better? Yeah, I've dropped a lot. I don't know. Well, let's just find out, huh? Maybe some other time. There is no other time. You will take a bet. Yes! I give three to one, eh? No, 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 I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. You'll have a choice. Broken ice or broken neck. They're hanging out. Of course, here we go. The the alley placeholder date, as I call it. Then all of a sudden it turns into the ice breaking. Yes. So Daniel and Kumiko are on a date. Yes. And they're sightseeing in Okinawa. And they want, like, they're kind of just walking to this developed area. Yeah. And there's a- It's more industrial, more urban. There's a big crowd- gathering at this bar and they hear all this noise and they wander in yeah and then all of a sudden they're like oh let's let's try to do this and these guys are putting slats of ice i'd have to say but how many inches thick Uh, they're an inch thick at least yeah but the the bystanders are taking bets yeah on who can break through this ice and there's like american military men over there they can't do it they can't even do three no they can't at all well coincidentally everyone in this movie Ends up in this bar in the next couple minutes because mm-hmm. Daniel and Kumiko are there. It's the max Save by the Bell yes. equivalent. Chosen comes in because basically while the military dude. Chosen are, has his little bit of a posse. He's Cobra yeah. Kai. So as the American military guys are trying to break this ice, Daniel's basically openly shit talking them because he's fucking. He's an asshole. He's an asshole. He's yeah. like, they're trying to break it with their hand. You got to break it with your mind. And the guy's like. <laughs> he's Chris Angel. Yeah. And the guy's like. You think you can do better? And Daniel's like, no, nah, man, I ain't doing this. And Kumiko's like, you little bitch. Like, I'm out of here. <laughs> I would love it if so you a bitch. He, he doesn't want to do it because he is a bitch. He talks a big game and they won't do it. And then he decides, okay, I got to do it. Well, Chosen yeah, comes Chosen in. Chosen comes in yep. and he says, I've got three to one odds. Pussy. I got three to one odds that you can't break it. Not So these other guys can't break three. Daniel starts fucking whining. Yeah, Daniel starts whining and Chosen's like, you got to break six. And Daniel's like, oh, my God, I can't do that. Then Sato shows up. Then Miyagi shows up. $600, say. He break all six. 600 bucks? Oh, I, I cannot cover that. You are covered. Yosh. 
Now we have a bit. Then Kumiko's aunt shows then up. Then the prime minister of Japan They're shows all up. There. Everybody Everybody's and her fucking there. mother. So Miyagi gives Daniel a pep talk yep. and he breaks the six. Yeah, he breaks the six with no problem. And it just, it blows my mind how everybody just ends up at that fucking bar. It's not like, some kid ran out of bar go, come everybody, right. everybody come on, they're breaking bricks, we got some Italian guy here. I mean, you you would maybe follow the noise to see what's going on. But there's other shit going on. Yeah, but it's like, it's not just the fact that strangers are wandering no. in. All of our main characters in our movie happen to be there at like at the same time, yeah. at that same point in history. Chosen, Chosen. must be using his, uh, his bootleg gadgets to, uh, to track Daniel or yeah, something. Yeah, he I has a TARDIS. Know. There you go. My next best scene, actually my last one for this movie, is the typhoon. Oh no! What's wrong? Quickly! This danger, we must go! Well, I don't understand. Big storm! Be here soon! So, it's a real team building exercise. (laughs) Because, Daniel, this is insane. I don't get it. Daniel goes and visits Kumiko, and she's like, uh... She's doing like tea or making rice. Very She's traditional doing, Japanese. Tra- yes, traditional Japanese. She's got chopsticks and the, the, you know, all the stuff. And Daniel says, there's probably five minutes to pass where there's no dialogue in this movie. None. It's just them in silence doing this stuff. And then all of a sudden, the silence is broken by thunder and wind. And Hell Kumi- shows up. And Kumiko says, the storm. And they all <laughs> get up. And have to sprint towards the village. I don't. This is. I get it. Okay, it's a traditional Japanese village. Somebody has to have a fucking radio. They've with got the weather to get channel. Bill and Joe Harding there because they have big time. They have absolutely no warning that the storm's coming. Going green, Greenwich. Saddle up. You got a boss. You need a Dorothy. They're sitting there, fine, and then it's like, oh my god. A giant storm. We got a giant F5 typhoon. Yeah, so then they're all heading so towards Jesus the village. Christ. A bunch of people are placed in peril. And it is, of course, Daniel and Miyagi who save the day. It never fails. They rescue Sato. When that happens, he's like, we're good. All is fine. Our complete history is I'm not going to bulldoze the village. No. And uh, so they're fine. And then they rescue this little girl. And Daniel tries to carry her. Sato assists. So it's just a ty- it's just the fact that the typhoon. No one ever mentions it. Like you don't hear a background character no. saying, "We got a big storm coming soon." This is the thing I also find amazing: the relationship between Sato and Miyagi. It's the fact that Miyagi stole Sato's girlfriend and ended up marrying her. Sato has held this grudge for fucking fifty years. Yeah. And all of a sudden, this massive storm that they literally acknowledge by pointing outside, going, "The storm." that they didn't see for a fucking week coming, all is forgiven. Just all that shit and all that pain. He must have got his QAnon references and decided, <laughs> oh, I was duped the whole time or whatever. Did you have any other best scenes for this one? Not really. I have to say this, not a fan of the second Karate Kid movie. Okay. The only other thing I'll mention is, so they're at the Oban Festival. They hold it. Daniel makes a deal with Sato because Sato's like, you can do whatever you want. This place also looks like a dungeon. Yeah. That they're having and it so at. they decide to have it here at the village. And as long as Daniel will dance, yeah. Sato's like, you have to dance with us. And he's like, fine. So then Kumiko is a dance. Like instructor. Instructor type thing. So she performs this amazing dance yep. with a fan. Chosen. I don't understand why he couldn't just walk in, but he like, 
there's oh, there's shit. like yeah there's like lanterns on like ropes yeah and he literally like supported slide, his weight yeah slides down the lanterns yeah. grabs kumiko puts this like gnarly knife to her throat yeah makes daniel cross the bridge makes him throw the bridge in the water now i dropped the bridge let it go come on no we fight to death and he's like we're gonna fight to the death. It's like, whoa! Oh, this throws the bridge into water. Not like he couldn't jump to yeah, the other right. side and run like right. he normally does. Yes. So that that's just a, a really weird. Him sliding down the lanterns was like it's too over the top. Yeah, it is. It's way too much. So unlike you, some critics believe that Karate Kid Two is actually the best movie in the series. I think it's the worst. I would say a lot of casual viewers like you would tell you it's the worst. Mm-hmm. I can say that I liked it. That it like loosely used the same formula, but it changed the setting because it wasn't just another all Valley. It wasn't in Reseda. It wasn't Los Angeles. And like, it didn't rehash the whole, it gave some depth and some layer to the, why this person wanted to kick Daniel's ass other than just the The reason I do. The first movie made money. So they're like, ah, let's have a change of scenery. Yeah. So three kind of does return to the well and totally rehashes the plot. Yes. But before we talk about that, Jim, give us the budget and box office of what was happening in 1989 at the time of Karate Kid 3's release. Okay. So the world wasn't really craving a third Karate Kid movie because it came out on June the 30th to a budget of 12 and a half million. So it was a half a million dollar less than a budget. So $500,000 less and only made $38 million. Why? Weird. I mean, it shit tanked in the office. I wonder if that's just because of two or... I just... Who needed a third Karate Kid movie? Well, no one, but... Uh, nobody did, but they tried and they failed. All three movies combined, the box offices were $34 million and it made $243 million between all three movies. Of course, the second one making the most. Now, in June of 1989, there were some very bad historical events... 10,000 Chinese soldiers are blocked by 100,000 citizens in Tiananmen Square, protecting students demonstrating for democracy. Tiananmen Square massacre ended up occurring. Chinese troops clear the square of student protesters. Unofficial figures place the death toll at near 1,000. And of course, the iconic photo of the student laying in front of the tank in Tiananmen Square actually is one of the most memorable pictures when it comes to history. I just thought of uh, Tenacious D's karate because the lyrics are, with karate, I'll kick your ass from here to Tiananmen Square. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, motherfucker, gonna kick your motherfucking derriere. Fucking love so the D. It ties together, Karate Kid and Tiananmen Square. And Tenacious D. And Tenacious D. One of our most liked TV shows debuted. The TV anthology Tales from the Crypt debuted on HBO. I remember the Crypt Keeper scared the shit out of me as a kid. Dude, just the theme alone. Oh, it's so good. It's just scary. My brother would like turn up the volume and he'd like take the remote and he'd like lock me in my bedroom. And I don't know why he thought it was funny, but... Tales from the Crypt. But I, it's hilarious now. I love Tales from the Crypt. And of course, you watch it now. It's very hokey. Yeah. It's super hokey. But at the time, being kids, scary as shit. And now here's a little sports thing for you. The man whose Reebok shoes I cherish emotes, the victory pumps, Michael Chang won the French Open in his only career Grand Slam title, beating Stefan Edberg of Sweden 
613646662. And at the time, being only 17 years old, was the youngest male ever to win a Grand Slam singles title. He's only 17. 17? I don't know why I love those shoes, but those are my most sought-after shoes. The Victory Pump 2s. Yeah. It's tough because they never re-released them. And then whoever sells them, they want like $500 or maybe yeah, not they, $500. And you couldn't shoes. wear them. You couldn't wear them from no. that long ago. No. Another big event. When it came to the 80s, we all loved the mall. We liked to socialize at the mall. We'd hang out there all day. Our parents would drop us off. That's how we ended up meeting friends. The world's biggest mall was starting construction in Minnesota's Mall of America at this time in 1989. Still going strong. Probably. i never been there. Being wrestling marks, we all know that place is the first episode of Monday Nitro took mm-hmm. place there at the Mall of America. The number one song in America, a great troubadour, I must say. Richard Marks is satisfied, was number one. Don't you know, I won't give up until satisfied. And of course, 1989 was ruled by the Bat himself, the best Batman, in my opinion, who is coming back to reprise his role of Bruce Wayne Michael Keaton's Batman was the number one movie in America virtually for the entire year. Deservedly so. I would say so. And that's what was happening in 1989. All right, let's get into the plot of Karate Kid 3. My favorite, full disclosure. Flashback to 1985. John Kreese visits his Vietnam War comrade, Terry Silver. Telegraphing that wheel kick. Hey, Johnny, Johnny, Johnny. What a surprise, man. Yes. Uh, what's this? You moving in? This is I give up. I came to say goodbye. Here are the dojo keys. What are you talking about? I'll pay you that back rent as soon as I can. Screw the rent. What, do you think I bought that place for the rent? I bought it for you. Terry's a successful businessman in the high-demand field of toxic waste removal. <laughs> Unfortunately, this doesn't end with Daniel fighting a toxic waste mutant. That's what happened to Robocop. He left his ship by and that guy became a toxic monster. I, fucking awesome. That's, he hits him with a car and he turns into fucking... Explodes? Yeah. Ah, <laughs> oh, so, so good. Terry originally funded Cobra Kai and he vows to crease this logic-wise. He's, he's like, yeah, anything. I'll fucking kill this kid <laughs> and he's like uh yeah so he vows to crease to get revenge on daniel while sending crease on vacation to tahiti what's his name miyagi and that punk kid i'm gonna get them for what they did to you they made you suffer so i'm gonna make them suffer and suffer and suffer and when i think they've suffered enough then i start with the pain look terry you don't have to do that don't have to i want to it's not over we're cobra kai come on say it cobra kai Say it! Cobra Kai never dies. Which we unfortunately don't get to see. Maybe Cobra Kai will show us the adventures of John Kreese in Tahiti <laughs> with his open Hawaiian shirt. Yeah, we couldn't afford taking the damn movie on the road yeah, to Tahiti. Cigarette and his beer on the beach. Mm-hmm. Again, we pick up right where the last movie left off. Daniel and Miyagi return from Okinawa. In real life, Daniel's aged six years. Yeah, he's a little chubbier. Yeah. Daniel and Miyagi return from Okinawa to learn that the apartment building they live in is being renovated, which Mm -hmm. this is a major logic issue for me. (laughs) But regardless, this means Daniel's homeless and Miyagi's unemployed. Daniel's mom has left him a message that she had to return to New Jersey to care for her brother, Lou. Daniel goes to live with Miyagi. And he gives Miyagi his college savings to start a bonsai tree business. Release. For your new bonsai store, congratulations. 
One month security, two months rent. Yes, with just enough left over for renovations if we're careful. Uh, Daniel, sir, thank you very much, but cannot accept. Yeah, but it's your dream, Mr. Miyagi. Why not? Fucking makes no sense. Very niche there, Miyagi. Daniel's the co-owner of the business, where he meets a girl named Jessica across the street. Yeah, they're for bonsai trees. We're opening a shop across the street. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Great. Wow. Welcome to the neighborhood. Oh, thanks. thanks. Yeah. Yeah, I love bonsai. So perfect, you know? Yeah, well, maybe when we get our trees in, you could, uh, you know, come visit the shop. You'll yeah. meet my partner, too. Huh? Well, I haven't even really met you yet. I'm, I'm sorry, my... Oh. Uh, Daniel LaRusso. Jessica Andrews, sorry. They agree to be platonic friends, despite Daniel's crush on her. She must be able to smell the bitch on him. <laughs> Just as bitch-ass punk aura that he exudes. I'm sensing a new segment coming next season. <laughs> smell the bitch on you. Silver hires karate's bad boy, Mike Barnes. Oh, the best. Enter the All Valley to beat Daniel. Well, you must be Mike Barnes. Welcome to LA. Oh, hey, listen, thank you for bringing me down, Mr. Silver. Milos, call the boys. This place is intense. Consider it home. Thanks. Barnes and his goons, which I don't know if he brought his goons with him. Was one of them named Noble? No, unfortunately. Oh, how great that would have been. So Barnes and his goons give Daniel hell until the tournament because Daniel doesn't want to defend his title. No. Part of this includes Barnes destroying the bonsai shop and the inventory of bonsai trees. That's right. You fuck up ads, Gates. You show him who's boss. Daniel goes to retrieve a sacred bonsai that they brought back from Okinawa. It's planted on the side of a mountain. Barnes arrives and basically he's going to let Daniel fall to his death. Yeah. Tempted Daniel's murder. at the bottom of the mountain. The tide's coming in. See, I think you got it backwards, buddy boy. I'm not the one who's screwed here. No, I figured the tide's going to come in about 12 minutes. Hope you brought a life raft. Hey, how do we get out of here without a rope? How do we get out of here without a rope? Without a rope? We're dead. See, Johnny never gave you murder. No. Barnes does. Barnes arrives, going to let Daniel die down there unless Daniel enters the tournament. So literally, Daniel pulls the paper out of his pocket, signs it. Yes. Barnes pulls him up. Miyagi refuses to train Daniel for the tournament. And for who knows what reason, Daniel goes to train with Terry Silver. Perfect sense. Silver's training begins to make Daniel aggressive. He bloodies his hands and his feet, destroying a wooden dummy. You don't get it, do you? You want to get beaten because of a little pain, be my guest. I can't be a part of that. I make wimps into winners, not the other way around. Christ, I'm wasting my time. He becomes his true self, yes. let's be honest. He breaks a dude's nose at a nightclub. When Daniel realizes what he has become, he arrives to tell Silver he's not fighting at the tournament. Silver reveals that he's responsible for Barnes, and then Crease blocks Daniel from leaving. Miyagi <laughs> saves the day and now agrees to train Daniel for the All Valley. No cool tournament footage this time, no montage or nope. anything. Daniel meets Barnes in the finals and defeats him using Kata. Mega Kata. Because Barnes stops and doesn't know what the hell to do. Meanwhile, Silver is losing his shit telling him to get the point. Yes. So, characters, we have everyone returning. We have Robin Lively as Jessica Andrews. Thomas Ian Griffith as Terry Silver, Sean Kanan as Mike Barnes, who's a very, still a karate aficionado. Everybody, like I said, everybody else pretty much comes back. There's really not a lot of new characters in this one. So let's get into a best scene. So first I will say Daniel doing the kata to win the All Valley. 
it's ridiculous. Like it's it's like one minute of uninterrupted. Yeah, it's, it's basically the same idea. Daniel like gets behind with Barnes just cheating and being an asshole. It's two two. Daniel like to see this Kata. He does like this whole like Macarena routine. Barnes charges in, but when Daniel starts doing the whole Macarena deal, Barnes like stops and doesn't know what to do. And then Daniel hits him and then it's over. It's like bad boy of karate. Why would he stop? All Barnes had to do was lift his fucking leg for a point. Yeah. A fucking point. That's all you had to do. Full disclosure. I love Mike Barnes. Barnes, I just think is out of all these movies, you know, the ultimate foil besides Daniel being a complete and utter piece of shit. The first time we meet Mike Barnes. I need your title. So then enter the tournament and go for it. Maybe you didn't hear me. I need your title. You don't enter and that affects my financial future, Daniel. And I'm not going to let that happen. Get it? Listen, I have nothing to prove, all right? I have no reason to fight. Yeah, well, I do. I get some money to make. Give me the application. Listen, I said forget about it, all right? I'm not going to fight. No, we're fucking Daniel's being trained by Terry in the dojo. And believe it, this time he's also wearing a Cobra Kai gi. You know, he's finally jumped to the dark side. I don't know. And who shows up out of the darkness? Fucking Mike Barnes. What are you talking about? What am I talking about? Yeah, what? Let's show him what I'm talking about. Nobody's talking about shit, Ed. And then he has that wooden dummy, which, yeah. first off, not the greatest idea to have a wooden dummy planked with metal, because if any time you slip, you break your fucking fist, forget about the All Valley, you're out. But then, all of a sudden, fucking Daniel just gets so fucking enraged, he beats the shit out of this fucking yeah. wooden dummy. This guy wants to break you, humiliate you, stomp you into the ground. Now what are you going to do about it? No! Let's do it! Yes! You did it! I did it! You did it! You did it! You did it! You're ready! You're ready! I'm ready! Oh man! He busts his knuckles open, but it just shows the fucking. You know, you see the picture. He looks like a mean son of a bitch. I believe Barnes was also on Melrose Place. I think. I'll have to do some quick research Probably. on that. Well, the only other scene, because Karate Kid 3 is actually my least favorite of the three. The only other scene I have that, to mention is when they go rappelling the mountain. So Barnes and his goons destroy the bonsai shop. <laughs> hey! Come on, huh? come on! Let's see what you got. Nice kick. <laughs> Better? Good, but not good at and what seems to be a bad idea as is, because how could you get enough foot traffic pre-internet yeah. to own a bonsai shop? It's so, it's beyond the word niche. Yeah, like pre-internet, who's going to go out of their way to come buy a bonsai tree? Yeah. And how many bonsai trees could you sell or how much could you sell them for to make a successful business? Yeah. Daniel, spe- like, I feel like Miyagi's been setting up Daniel for two movies just to take his money. Because this is crazy. Barnes and his goons, they come, they destroy all the bonsai trees in the inventory. Well, when Daniel and Miyagi came back from Okinawa, they brought this sacred bonsai tree, which they planted. You know, bonsai trees are special. They plant it like on the side of a mountain. Soaked a certain way, has to have salt water. So Jessica helps Daniel rappel down this mountain with this rope. 
and then they get down there and then the tide's coming in because I don't understand how that works, but they're basically going to die if they don't get back up this mountain. Yeah, he's threatening them with murder. And then Barnes shows up because, uh, again, he's real mean-spirited. Him and the goons, <laughs> they take the ropes and they make Daniel sign this uh, entrance to, to defend his title in All Valley. They do pull him back up, so that's nice. They don't let him die. No. But they break the bonsai tree in half. Miyagi's pissed. Mr. Miyagi? I that. Oh, the, the, uh, the, the trunk split. I see. I, I just, um, I, I put the roots in peat moss, but they got salt water on them, you know, and I, I washed it off. Sacred bonsai tree they brought back from Okinawa. The family bonsai Barnes tree. Barnes splits it in half, but they mend it. They mend it with electrical tape. Some sort of symbolism. Also, real quickly, the guy who played Mike Barnes, Sean Kanan, local guy, born in Cleveland, raised in Newcastle, Pennsylvania. Wow. Local guy. He wasn't on Melrose Place. He was A.J. Quartermain on General Hospital, Deacon Sharp on Bold and the Beautiful, and Young and the Restless. So that's where you saw him. That's where I saw him from because I always got forced to watch soap operas with my I doubt he ever came back to Newcastle because Newcastle is like, wow, meth. Chechnya, I don't. <laughs> I love Methnia. Now, here's the thing about Newcastle that's also quite amazing. Like Kevin and I like hitting up thrift shops. We like finding mega deals that people don't want. They have the only Salvation Army that I have ever seen that's surrounded by a chain link fence with barbed wire. Yeah, I've never seen anything like that before in my life. I so I worked at a uh, a large video game retailer that I'm sure you could guess that I'm not going to mention on the podcast. This when I was in college, my buddy worked there. Said, "Hey, you want to work here?" I said, "Sure." So. I was a, a manager at a, you know, the one, the video yeah, game store. The one. And they needed, so there was a bunch of shit going down at the Newcastle store. And they said, hey, can you come fill in? Uh, you know, we need some help. I said, sure. So first day I'm there. Well, basically the manager of the store had like sold $30,000 in merchandise on the black market and got arrested. And stuff. You need to make money somehow. Man. So it's funny because I showed up at that Newcastle store and instantly saw how dysfunctional it was. There were people trying to sell games that weren't out for another like six weeks. Yeah, bootlegs. Well, the company would send you like if Madden was coming out. Yeah. Madden comes out August 2nd, but they'd ship it to you in July. Yeah. And you'd have to leave. You're embargoed. You'd have to leave the boxes sealed until the day of release. People were selling back these games bef- a month before they were released. And I was like. Yeah, we can't buy this. Not even in the system. They're like, I bought it here. I'm like, it doesn't exist. Like, yeah. it's not a thing. Newcastle is a very interesting place. Not dogging on people from Newcastle. Yeah, I know people I from Newcastle. No. Kevin is. I'm not. But yeah, it's a Salvation Army surrounded by barbed wire. But that's where Barnes is from. And that would explain why Barnes had to become a karate kid. Yeah. Well, he had to become a bad boy. I've been to third world countries that are way nicer than... <laughs> Then Methistan. Yeah, then Newcastle. Methnia. Methnia. <laughs> All right, anything else you want to mention about Karate Kid 3? No. All right, well, it's uh, it's been quite the long time. With that said, everybody's got to get out of the pool. Bull check! For this week's super-sized pool check, normally on the deep end, we do two different pool checks. We've covered both of these years. We've covered yes. 84, we've covered 89. So we decided to do just one mega pool check. We're doing our favorite 10 songs from the 1980s. And it is rough on us, man. I hated this topic. Uh, I hated it. 
There's hundreds of thousands of songs released in the 80s. Godly and Cream. And it's nearly impossible to narrow it down. Plus, there's 80s bands and songs I'm still finding out about. Yeah, just going through a rabbit hole. Discovering 80s bands. So it's another one where if we revisited this topic, my list would probably change. So my strategy was to ignore like what was popular. Yeah. A lot of 80 songs come on the radio. I love them. Exactly. But it's not songs that I seek out and the, listen to. Exactly. Okay. So my strategy again was just to ignore what was popular. Stick to songs I actually seek out and listen to. Before we decide who goes first, I want to say my strategy. I compiled my top 10. It took me three times to figure it out. What I finally decided on are songs that had an attachment to me as a kid that still have big meaning to me now at 39 years of age. All right. So that's how I constructed my top 10. So I don't think we're going to spend a lot of time on each of these unless we have an anecdote or something to say so that we can get to, to some honorable mentions. Yeah, because there's a lot. Okay. Did, uh, who'd you, you want to flip a coin or how are we doing this? All right. Uh, let's see. Now you go. Okay. You go. My number 10, David Bowie, Modern Love. Okay, good song. So, dance track. Uh, I really didn't ignore i always have liked bowie but it's not that i ignored this song but when francis ha came out i it was on the soundtrack in the trailer and was like well this song's better than i always thought and uh started listening to it a lot put it on a couple playlists and now the remastered version i really enjoy okay my number 10 is a song that i first heard in a movie that we covered previously real genius and that is everybody wants to rule the world by tears for fears it's a song that still is great to this day it gives me a lot of memories the biggest memory of all before dennis miller went fucking batshit conservative yeah. right side crazy he had a show on hbo called the dennis miller show and his theme song was everybody wants to rule the world now i remember you know being a kid watching this you know trying to understand things you know clinton administration i'm in my preteens. And my parents would always be like, Jim, what are you watching? And they would hear everybody wants to rule the world. And they would know I'm watching the 400 pound gorilla himself, Dennis Miller. So that's why this song always stuck out to me. So Tears for Fears, my number 10. I'm going uh, ultra conservative. <sighs> it really is the sword of Damocles or yeah. whatever one of those anecdotes. He's a stuff. real fucking poser. Yeah. My number nine, Misfits Hybrid Moments. Nice. I really enjoy the Misfits. You know, casual listening. You listen around Halloween. You skateboard you do whatever as a punk kid misfits ultra influential on everything you can buy a misfits t-shirt at walmart now yeah which is weird but uh i yeah i picked hybrid moments there's a bunch of songs i could have picked but hybrid moments is uh is a good one my number nine is brian adams only the strong survive okay now the reason why i got this at number nine in 1988 there was an ABC Sunday night television movie called 14 Going On 30, which was later revisited as 13 Going On 30 with Jennifer Garner. In the scene in this movie where, you know, it's a high school kid, you know, wishes he was big so he could fall in love with his teacher, which he does. When he becomes the principal of the school, he decides to change things up. But because he has a mentality of a 14-year-old, he plays a kind of sped up version of only the strong survive and that song always stuck and i can always remember that scene and when i found this song later on in life it totally triggered me back to those times if you ever watched the movie the music video to this it's the weirdest music video ever because it's a concert footage that brian adams is putting zero effort into 
to the point where they have these metal structures on the stage that they light on fire. He gets fed up with it to the point where he's not even pantomiming his voice. Brian Adams' videos are weird. He kicks it over and the stage starts catching on fire and Brian Adams just stands there and starts laughing. I, I don't it's wanna, weird. I don't want to say it's uh, if it's one of your picks, but Brian Adams' heaven, that video. It isn't. There's the couple having a fight <sighs> and I odd. think a car's broken down or something. So the girl just walks across the street into the Brian Adams concert. Her boyfriend like gets a DUI and she just like walks across the street into the Brian Adams concert and then sticks around like marries him out. It's weird. Yeah. It's weird odd. Videos. He always had odd videos, but yeah, that's uh, my Brian Adams. number eight. Def Leppard bringing on the heartbreak. Oh, man. I, that whole like hysteria era, Def Leppard. Yeah. Those songs are on a next level from like the other hair metal or the bands that they, I, I'm not saying Def Leppard's hair metal, but the bands that they were like lumped in with. It's not really ballads per no, se, but. They, but they, uh, oh man, all of those songs, Photograph, Hysteria. Yeah, but bringing on the heartbreak is just man. Those those harmonies in that, the song structure, how it's put together, I really like that one. I admitted in an earlier podcast that when I was younger, I always confused Def Leppard with Led Zeppelin. Sure, same thing. Yeah, because I don't know what the fuck I was ever thinking. However, what I know when I was thinking how great my number eight was level forty two something about you. Didn't expect to hear that, but yeah, I have lost count how many times I've watched their top of the pops two performances of this song from the mid 80s i don't know what it is about this song i mean it's nothing spectacular but their keyboardist is for the longest time i thought he was a black guy had no idea the older they have gotten he's a white dude i had no fucking idea i was so blown away i was like holy shit he's white the bassist is the lead singer i always thought he had a weird face he loved to chew gum when he sang and i thought boy that just seems like a bad idea there's just something about them, something about them, something about you, number eight. My number seven, one of the most powerful ballads, just one of those songs, if you're a songwriter, you wish you could have written. It's You Two With or Without You. Not a big U2 fan at all, but that <laughs> song. Is anybody? It's just like, wow. It's time, like you, you're almost embarrassed for what U2 is now after knowing that they wrote this song. But when we were, we told Joshua this, Tree. Yeah, we told the story on this podcast before that we hung out with Brian O'Halloran at a convention, and uh, he wanted to sing the safety dance at karaoke. Yeah, and they did not have it. <laughs> Do not have. He did not have dance. safety dance. So Brian O'Halloran sang "You Two's With or Without You," which was a great. He dude. Dude had a great voice being semi-lit. And then we can thank Apple for preloading you too on all of our Apple music on our that, phones. You know, if the fuck was that idea? Like, if, come if on. everyone hadn't turned on you two already, that was it the wasn't fi- even their fault. That and, was the nail. And Apple was like, no, you're getting a U2 album. And everybody's like, I hate you too. Jeez, thanks. You couldn't have put Discotech on there, one of U2's <laughs> most lauded songs that yeah. made no fucking sense. It was like their call to the village people. My number seven is from another movie that holds a lot of great feelings in a special place in my heart. It's Goonies Are Good Enough by Cindy Lauper, as I, I our keep, buddy would there's say. There's one pick I keep waiting for, but that that's great. Now, there is, I'll never forget being a little kid. My mom, as I've said, was notorious for renting videos and ringing up late charges instead of just buying the movie because the movie was like 30 bucks. There's a scene at the very beginning when Mikey and the gang are headed towards headed towards the ocean where they have the doubloon or they can find a Fratelli's hangout to find One-Eye Willie's rich stuff. So they're all on their bikes and they, this is how badly I remember this and it's I feel horrible for it. They take a left turn on their bicycle by uh, the place where Mikey's dad works 
and this song is playing and he just says, hi, Mikey. Hi, dad. While this song plays, I remember as a kid rewinding all the time just to hear that part of yeah, the song. This song. You can remember the video and stuff. Yeah. City Lopper always had the weirdest videos because yeah. they had like Captain Lou Albano yeah, in them. Weird and- video. But like the video to me was big. I remember the song yeah. being everywhere. But then it's in Goonies for like seven seconds. Yeah, it's or not something. in it that it's long. It's just but- like. Super short. But it's such a good song. And it's in the Goonies 2 game on NES, too. So kudos to Cindy, how our buddy called her, Lauper. Lauper, yeah. Uh, My number six is a sad boy anthem. One that, uh, you know, you definitely can listen to when you're you're feeling down. It's Please, Please, Please Let Me Get What I Want by the Smiths. I so thought you were going somewhere else with that. Yeah. Uh, So this song, again, not a real long song. It's sort of like, you know, just a... An anthem for like, just let good things happen to me, please. And when uh, a few years ago, well, it's been more than a few years now, I went to a Newport Folk Festival and I was lucky enough to see PS22 Chorus. Do you know about PS22 Chorus? I do not. This real hip dude who's like real into indie music. His name is PS22 Chorus. His name is not PS22 Chorus. Uh, Public School 22. It's a, yes, exactly. Public School 22 in New York City. Inner city school, you know, mixed Mm -hmm. backgrounds. This real hip indie dude is a music director. He got all these like inner city kids to learn like the Smiths and, you know, music like that. And it became such a big thing on YouTube that the actual artists of these songs like start showing up, singing them with the chorus and stuff. But I got to see that chorus live and they sang this song and it's it was awesome. It was just like super cool. That's one thing I kind of regret growing up. I basically was surrounded by popular music of different eras. I never really dived into stuff that wasn't so popular. The Smiths are one of those bands that I wish I would have known more about growing up. Yeah. I well, kind of regret it. I mean, not that I can't learn now. I love the Smiths and they're going to come back up on my list. But the thing that sucks just with how life works now is God, Morrissey sucks. <laughs> I mean, he just is like. He's a character uh, unto himself. Yeah, he really is. And like, he just keeps digging the hole deeper. It's, it's just these, there's this line between when do you stop supporting an artist? When, you know what I mean? Like, can you separate them from the music? You R- mean Ke- like Kid Rock? R. Kelly, you know, <laughs> Michael Jackson. Yeah, it's hard. You know, can you separate the music from the person and say, I love the music? Or Morrissey's just kind of problematic with his beliefs. Yeah. But it's not like he like really crossed any line that's like, okay, I got to be done listening to the Smiths. My number six. Cleveland's own Eric Carmen. Yeah. Hungry Eyes. Now we've covered Dirty Dancing all the way back in season one. And of course, you you know, the wedding staple of I've had the time of my life that always traditionally is the last wedding song. But this song is so damn good. It's where, you know, you see Baby and Johnny. That's how she's learning how to dance in the video, which I've mentioned before kind of defies time and logic how they were able to dance to the song from 1987 and 1967 the video alone is weird because at the time eric carmen late 80s he's very dolled up when it comes to the uh the makeup in it and let me tell you it's a fucking excellent song and i know all of you out there know it so if you don't check it out eric carmen hungry eyes dirty dancing soundtrack my number five Late 80s, eight, 1989, When in Rome, The Promise. Oh, uh, yes. Great song. Excellent a song. Great, great song, great video. Newfound Glory did a great cover. If you, a lot of these have appeared in movies, so if you need to know a movie, it's at the end of Napoleon Dynamite. 
Yeah. He's playing uh, tetherball with Deb, and they're hitting the ball, and when in Rome, the promise comes on over the credits. Great song. I think it's, it's one of those very underrated 80s songs. It's because it, it fell in right at the end of the 80s. Yeah. There's this change in music, because it sounds like an early 80s type of song, but it's... I, I rank that right up there with, like, Martika's Toy Soldiers. That's another weird that one. That song's kind of... Well, it's not great, but I'm just yeah. saying the kind of sound. And then, you know, your late 80s crunch and went to, uh, I don't want to divulge it because it might be yeah. on your list. Well, your early 90s had, you know, R&B and rap. And, yeah. You know, hair metal was dying. You're starting to get in grunge. So this song got kind of, I just think, lost in the transition from the I late agree. 80s, early 90s. My number five is from a band who everybody thought was one dude. And it definitely wasn't one dude because let me tell you, that motherfucker could rock a trench coat like no other. Mr. Mr. Kiri. Oh, I thought you had broken wings. Nope. I, you know, I weird song, weird song, but let me tell you, Richard Page, that dude can fucking sing. Yeah. Mr. Mr. Yeah. That guy, you know, the Mr. Mr. Guy, you know, we're a whole band. No, you're fucking Mr. Mr. This song is so damn good. Even though kind of based on biblical type song, a Kiri song, and that's kind of what it's based after. But when you watch this video, that fucking trench coat. Yeah. I want that trench coat. And it's just the dude. I think Richard Page is one of those guys. You could probably go to you go thrift shopping a lot. You probably see Richard Page's actual trench coat. I, Mr. Mister probably is working there. He had one of the most underrated voices of not just the 80s. I think a lot like a lot of people have given him credit beyond when he was active as a singer. And I don't think Mr. Mister never got enough credit like they did this and Broken Wings was their biggest hit. No, I have a place for Kiri. It just has a great breakdown in the middle of it. It's so fucking 80s. I love it. My number four is one of my top four, top five favorite movies of all time. A little unfair to pick it as a song because it's not like I got a radio release. It's Rick Moranis and Ellen Green from Little Shop of Horrors, Suddenly Seymour. Okay, nice. It's, uh, again, a lot of our audience probably isn't going to go listen to this song, but just that, that movie... Again, one of my top four or five favorite movies. Loved it very much. And uh, I almost picked Grow For Me because when my oldest daughter was a baby, the only song that would make her stop crying was Grow For Me. That's we tried playing a bunch of songs. Fuck you know. that sentimental yeah, shit. Ain't on your list. <laughs> Fuck yeah. it. Yeah, so suddenly Seymour. My number four is, uh, no surprise, everybody. It's Huey Lewis in the news, but it's doing it all for my baby okay now the background to this is in 1987 my mom took me to pizza hut in sharon pennsylvania it's no longer there they had a jukebox there and my mom gave me a quarter and i picked huey lewis in the news i picked this song and i started singing it out loud in the pizza joint like i'm full fucking singing it Everybody just stops what they're doing to watch a six-year-old kid sing Huey Lewis in the news. Ended up getting free pizza. Nice. So that was my first ever karaoke performance. Did your mom actually tell them you read a bunch of books and then that's why you got free pizza? <laughs> Wasn't free. No. She let you believe it was for your singing, but it actually she told them you read a hundred books. See, I had my book at pin. I I still have my book at pin somewhere, but it was not for books. It was just my pure, just your singing ability, my singing ability as the future karaoke king of Quaker State and Lou. That that pizza used to hit differently back then. 
It did. It was and so fucking greasy. It was greasy, and then you put your uh, your Pepsi in the small little red cups. Yeah. It was yeah, the best. You a, pay Galaga on a cocktail a, table. Yeah, just totally different. Pizza Hut there. back in the day, and now they're coming out with classic Pizza Hut places, yeah. which you're trying to- But the pizza re- probably doesn't taste the same as a classic Pizza Hut. No, I've not Give had- Give that grease. I need that extra Can you remember grease. the last time you actually had a Pizza Hut pizza? Been a while. It's been a long while for me. Yeah. I think it's- Is it not the number one of the chain pizza? But we have so- much oh, there's too good many. pizza around here yeah that we don't need to be eating pizza hut papa john's any of that stuff papa john if if we had to rank chain pizza papa john's would have to be in the toilet for me <laughs> i hate papa john's pizza plus papa john's a fucking asshole yeah well he's not with the company anymore thank god now it's Shaq. it's uh, who Shaq. is it shaquille o'neal yeah he's papa john now yeah why don't they just change it to Shaq's pizza i think he bought papa john's shares really yeah yeah, yeah, Schlatter was an asshole. All right, go. Yeah, my number three, Crowded House better be home soon. Now, Crowded House gets Ooh, didn't think of this song. overlooked for, well, not overlooked, but they are known for, um, can I remember what their other hit Don't is? Dream It's Over? Yeah, Don't Dream It's Over. Also a great song, mm-hmm. fantastic song. But for me, better be home soon. Oh, man, just incredible. Hit you where it needs to hit you. I really like that one. So here comes another no shit one pick for me. My favorite of all time, Mr. Phil Collins, Sue, Sue, Studio. A lot of Phil you could have picked. There's a lot of Phil, but I initially was going to do my list one song per artist. And then when you're like, I got more of one, I'm like, fine, I'll break down. But, you know, I was back and forth to like Easy Lover and this. I went with Sue Studio so, or In the Air Tonight. A couple nights ago, to go off on a little tangent, my wife and I were watching Sing Street. And yeah. if, if you have not seen Sing Street, Anybody listening to this? I've never seen it. Watch it tonight. Like, stop what you're doing. Like, if you were planning on to watch it tonight. After you listen to this podcast. Watch Sing Street. It is a fantastic movie. Just so well done. Made by the same guy that did Once. Made by the same guy that did Begin Again. All of his movies are very... I know uh, none of those. Oh, Once is a fantastic movie. It's shot, like, on an XL1, very okay. cheaply made. It was nominated for uh, Oscar stuff. and But Begin Again's good. Mark Ruffalo and Keira Knightley. It's also a music movie. But then Sing Street takes place in the 80s in Dublin, basically about a bunch of kids. It's coming to age, coming of age. They're trying to get out of Dublin. But God, is it good. There's, there's so much Duran Duran and The Cure and all this like music influence. It's so it for us and when we were raised and just so 80s influence. It's awesome. But there's a scene in that movie where the older brother is giving him shit about Phil Collins. And my wife, we had the <laughs> subtitles on. She took a picture and sent it to you. And yeah. she just thought it was hilarious. And it was. It was really funny. It was like only something like only guys who can't get laid listen to Phil Collins. Well, it did take a long time for me to get laid, and I fucking love Phil Collins. So that was my <laughs> number. Thought it would be higher, but I put it at number three. My number two. Yeah. Uh, Prince, Purple Rain. Oh, hell yeah. So. Hell yes. Oh, man. It's like an eight or nine minute song. It's so good. It's, it is like the. Uh, That's a fucking anthem. It's the final scene of the movie Purple Rain. Like everything in the movie Purple Rain build up to this song. It just, it stands the test of time. Prince is incredible. And like I said, when I was researching this list, I was like, man, Purple Rain, so I got to watch it. It it was on, I don't know, Hulu or Netflix. It's on something. So I was like, I got to watch it. Watch Purple Rain. Prince, 
one of those guys I would love to have seen in concert. Can yeah. you imagine what one of his concerts would have been like? Think about that. Super Bowl halftime. That dude uh, had the biggest balls on earth. And he was the like, smallest dude. He was like at the Super Bowl halftime show, which is an iconic position to be in. You know, not that many people get to play a Super Bowl yeah, halftime show. And the weekend's going to be playing it. And the prince was like, I'm going to do a Foo Fighters cover. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, you have... 40 years of material did he refuse to ever release he never released the catalog right and he's responsible uncredited for all these great pop songs all time but he was like yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna do a foo fighters cover it took a lot of balls crazy but fuck it who cares it was awesome speaking of something that was awesome one of my favorite movies growing up coming in at my number two was the movie rad yeah love the rad it's the greatest bmx movie of all time and the song i'm doing here is something that played in my head and I got on my bike and played it so many times. John Farnham's Thunder in Your Heart. Oh, okay. You thought I were doing a bicycle boogie with real life I, Send yeah, Me I, an Angel. I did. Thought you were doing Send Me an Angel. I thought you were going Send Me an Angel like three times already. <laughs> nope, I didn't do that. I included this one. Now, if any of you have ever seen the movie Rad, this song is featured in the Hell Track qualifiers. You always hear this song. This song to me is one of the most ultimate 80s songs. You get that long guitar yeah. riff. It's one of those songs where you feel like anything is possible. Like, you put me on a fucking bike, I will have no money. I have very limited funds and very limited everything. But you cue on thunder in your heart. You just fucking feel like you <laughs> conquer the world. And I still, I, I play it to this day. It's it's on my phone. I, I listen to it and I shower. It's just a fucking great song. It's it's the ultimate 80s song. 1986, John Farnham, Australia's own, Thunder in Your Heart, number two from Rad. Number one. My number one, my first tattoo, I got lyrics from the song tattooed on me inside of a lantern. It's the Smiths, There's a Light That Never Goes Out. Now, I could have picked How Soon Is Now. I could have picked a number of Smiths songs. But this one, to me, like... If you listen to the lyrics, like in a way it represents hope. Like there's a light that never goes out, but it's also like this, like depressing love song where it's, you know, if a double decker bus crashes into us to die by your side, such a beautiful way to die. Such a lovely way to die. So number one, Smith's there's a light that never goes out. Number one. Number one for me, Huey Lewis in the news, power of love. Yeah. I mean, Kit, come on back to the future. In my opinion, the greatest 80s movie and one of my top 10 of all time. It just holds so much meaning, not just, you know, for me, but personally when it came to my family and, you know, when my parents first started dating, the first movie that my dad took me to go see was Back to the Future Part 2 at the Twin Cinemas in the Eastwood Mall. So this song holds a lot of meaning in my heart. And thank God, when was it now? Five years ago, almost six Got to see Huey Lewis in the news perform at Packard Music Hall. And unfortunately now, Huey Lewis can't sing anymore because now he's tone deaf. He has earring problems. So I got to see Power of Love live. That's great. And it's one of the moments that I'll never forget. So thank you, Huey Lewis in the news, for having such a foundational structure for my growing up. So the Power of Love, number right, one. Let me quickly go through some of my honorable mentions. Oh, I got a ton. The Cars Drive. Thompson Twins Hold Me Now. Thompson Twins Hold Me Now. Not one of the best songs of the 80s, but for some reason really reminds me of this one place I used to work where it would play all the time. And it's just kind of forever tied to that. Multiple Hall and Oates songs, Private Eyes, Man Eater, Out of Touch. I mentioned uh, Def Leppard had a few songs, Hysteria Photograph. Mr. Mr. Broken Wings. Thought you were going to pick that. Yep. Pick Kiri. 
But Patrick Swayze, she's like the wind. Oh, sang, I sang it at your wedding reception. Yeah. Biz Marquis, just a friend. I remember making my mom drive me around looking for that cassette. Toto, hold the line. If you remember, uh, we went on a, we went to Washington, D.C. Speaking uh, of which. A few years ago. Big day today happened. And uh, uh, we went, on the way home, we stopped at a Hooters. I'm pretty sure we were like the first people there. It was like 11 a.m. Those wings. But uh, we heard Toto hold the line while we were there. And we brought the uh, the wings back. Tanza decided to bring wings back from <laughs> Virginia, wherever we were. Pixies, where's my mind? I had one Michael Jackson song, PYT. Mm-hmm. A great one. Foreigner, I want to know what love is. Prince, I would die for you. Wham, careless whisper. Replacements, bastards of young. Motorhead, ace of spades. Can remember uh, Sentimental One, Rob Bass, DJ Easy Rock, It Takes Two. Mm-hmm. Tears for Fears, you had Everybody Wants to Rule the World, but Head Over Heels is also great. Shout, too. Uh, yeah, shout also. Steve Winwood, Valerie. Yes. You too, Sunday Bloody Sunday. Peter Gabriel, In Your Eyes. Couple more Smith songs, This Charming Man, How Soon Is Now. Talking Heads, Once in a Lifetime. Joy Division, Love Will Tear Us Apart. How did we, neither of us, 20 picks not do USA for Africa, We Are the World? You know, it was number four on my list yeah. and I took it off because I thought it was too obvious. Yeah. Brian, Go figure. Brian Adams, Heaven. Yeah. And then uh, one that can make you cry if it catches you at the right time, Mike and the Mechanics, The Living Years. Yes. Yeah, God, fucking great man. Song. It's like, say it loud, say it clear. No Godly and Cream? No. No. <laughs> video, yes. We did the top 10 videos of the 80s probably. But Lol Cream. Not the song itself. My honorable mentions are huge. Holiday Road by Lindsey Buckingham. You guys remember that all from the National Lampoon's yep. Vacation Series. Yep. One of the greatest sports songs that will hype you up. A Lunatic Fringe by Red Rider. Oh, yeah. Fucking Vision Quest, yep. which we will definitely cover down the road. Speaking of something that we will cover, St. Elmo's Fire by John Parr, which if you watch St. Elmo's Fire, and we'll cover this movie because it makes no fucking sense. They tacked this song into this movie even though the bar is called just san elmo's but the song is about a canadian wheelchair athlete that wanted to go coast to coast west coast east coast of canada was her name san elmo was not san elmo surprisingly enough were they on fire <laughs> that's what i said the song it's called man in motion and then in parentheses san elmo's fire gotcha. another guy i believe is underrated in 1980 howard jones yeah things can only get better uh uh Oh, yep. great one. Hall and Oates, I mentioned Private Eyes. And We Dance by the Hooters. Speaking of Hooters, okay. Your Love by the Outfield and Winning It All by the Outfield, which I like better than We Are the Champions from Queen because Winning It All, NBC Sports always played after the Bulls won every title in the credit roll. Of course, Ghostbusters. But you can't mention Ghostbusters without I Want a New Drug by Huey yeah, Lewis in the News. Right. Lady in Red by Chris DeBert, uh-huh. which I think is very underrated. Shakedown by Bob Seger from Beverly Hills Cop 2. Also, The Heat is on. That's another great song. A song. Yeah, Axel F. <laughs> Axel, no, Axel F is on my list. Okay. We have, speaking of late 80s sound, which was Fine Young Cannibal, She Drives Me Crazy. Wow, oh, you actually did it. Yeah, so definitely late 80s. I got two Michael Jackson songs on there Billie Jean and Dirty Diana, yeah, which Dirty I Diana, man, loved great. it. Can't mention 80s without Rick Astley. Yeah. I mean, and then Rick Astley found a jokingly resurgence yep. with being Rickrolled. One of my favorite Starship songs, Sarah, and it's also my favorite, like, Maul Muzak song is Sarah. You would always I, hear in Kmart. I K-Marts. love We Built This City. People, it's like I the love number one st- worst. And yeah. it's not. 
one hit wonder or not even one hit wonder just the worst song of all time and bullshit yeah it's great it's, i never understood the hate for that song no, it's it's formulaic and bad but it's great it's, it's like, nickelback formulaic yeah. that's what it is yeah the best fleetwood max song in my opinion is gypsy yeah uh, got gypsy on it prince is 1999 club nouveau's rendition of lean on me and about a week or two ago the actual principal joe clark died mm. so some relevance here we also have obstacles attract by Paul Abdul and oh, DJ wow. Scat Cat. Great. We are the world, of course. Mm-hmm. None of us put us on the list. Axel F. Give it up by KC and the Sunshine Band. In a big country by big country. Yeah. Fucking excellent song. And yeah, that's so, in, so many good I'm ones, pretty sure man. And Lean on Me, that movie opens up with a, a scene that like always haunted me. I remember laying in bed and it just popped in my head. There's like a kid banging another kid's head on the floor. I'm pretty sure it opens with Welcome to the Jungle. I think my mom saw that movie and we were in Warren at the time. My parents didn't get married. She thought Turner junior high school, which has long been since bulldozed. You would always hear bad shit happening in Turner like this. And my mom was like, I don't care how much money that I'll send you to a fucking private school. But that's the eighties though. It was a different time. All right. Well, that was fun and very difficult. Hopefully we can do music videos, but running out of years on those, but maybe next season we're going to squeeze back in some music videos, but for now, have everybody get back in the pool except for a few stragglers. Yes. This is your lifeguard, Matt. Whether you're just dipping those toes or diving into the deep end with us, thanks for listening to the Pool Scene Podcast. Everybody back in the pool! Now, for the stragglers who did not get back in the pool, it's because they were at the concession stand. So our deep end programming, when we do this, we always have a feature called the concession stand. Attention swimmers, join us poolside, grab a hot dog, kick back. It's time for the concession stand. All right, concession stand, just a series of questions overarching all of the movies we covered, in this case, Karate Kid 1, 2, and 3. So let's start it off. I think you've said it already, but Jim, which movie is the best? My favorite is Karate Kid Part 3. How ridiculous it is, I love 3. Three is my least favorite because... It's a shit movie, but I prefer it. One is obviously good. It's the first one to tell the story. Two changed into kind of a different type of movie, but it had higher stakes. And three was kind of just like, ah, we got to go back and do the first one again, but As stupid as it sounds, and being younger at the time is one reason why I just didn't like two because I liked the formula of one. Yeah. It's just a fucking straight up just... A to B to C. And what? this one went from A to fucking G to so do you W. Think two didn't need to exist in just one and three. I think two could have been a separate movie in like the Karate Kid universe, like Daniel and Miyagi road okay. trip. So I actually think one and two should have existed. And then I would rewrite three. So instead of defending the all Valley, I would have a world championship or yes. something. Daniel would, because he won the all Valley, he qualified for either the state tournament or national championship, a national championship. Yeah. So I, and then like, it makes sense to have these Barnes types characters and then get Johnny back. Yeah. And then Johnny, because he's an all champion, could have been it. Yeah. All these people could have been in it. And like, you know, it could have been just about the training and like Miyagi having to like show him other, I just would have rewritten a third one because it just, seemed like a cash grab i just don't see the point i don't see the point of it it wasn't even that great of a cash grab if you look at what they all had to pay for three they didn't break even at all with everything they set up in three there almost needed to be four because they just which was a there was a technical four yeah but they just like set up so much 
So how does the All Valley work? Do you need a proof of address? How can Barnes fight in the All Valley? <laughs> Why is there a Barnes ad in a magazine? And here's the thing about All Valley, and it was established in the first movie. It's the All Valley under 18 yes. karate tournament. Yeah, so... He is not under 18. No, he's 25. Yeah. But uh, so Silver tells Kreese to go to Tahiti, and he's like, I'm going to get Daniel back. So Silver doesn't have a fighter. No, Johnny's gone. He's fucked off. He's gone. He's so, got that toxic waste money. So man. he opens a karate magazine. Karate's bad boy. Mike Barnes. And he sees karate's, karate's bad, bad boy. boy. Where? <laughs> Does Barnes live in Indiana? It's like, not like you could do a simple Google search. You'd have to really fucking he? put in the work. Where is Barnes? And somehow, Silver not only managed to like get a hold of him, but brings him in. Brings in his goons. Yep. And then Barnes doesn't even win. So how much did he pay him to, to go lose to Daniel? I will admit, though, I, as much as I love, I think Barnes is the best bad guy out of all of them. Better than Chosen, better than Johnny. But seriously, though, all you needed to do was throw a fucking weak kick and you would have won the tournament. Yeah. But the other thing that always drives me nuts about three is at the time of filming, at the time of filming, Ralph Macchio was going on 29 years old, yeah. playing an 18-year-old kid. So that was my next question. Which villain's the best? So Johnny is probably the right answer because he's the classic villain, the trope. classic bully, the trope. Look, you started this. All I wanted to do was talk to him. Well, just leave him alone and we'll go talk. Yeah, where did I hear that before? How about you, hero? Have enough? But we get to see Johnny's story continue from a uh, uh, interesting perspective in Cobra Kai, which we'll get into. And he becomes more sympathetic. But then Chosen, the stakes are higher. Even though, I, you know, I'm apprehensive against the second movie and I'm lazy toward it. Like, the fight was to the death. So it wasn't <laughs> it was. just like for a trophy. It's fucking Kumite. Because like, Miyagi tells him, like, this isn't a tournament. This is real. You insulted my Anna again. And I kill you. So they're going to fight to the death. So the stakes are higher. And Daniel really fucked over Chosen because Chosen... Who didn't Daniel fuck has over? ...has this big business. And Daniel basically breaks one in half in front of the customers and was like, this stuff's bootleg. Looking here, huh? What is this? So you cheat people. Shame. Shame. You cheat. You cheat. Let's talk sometime. You're not so busy. Which... You shouldn't be peddling bootleg stuff. But still. And then Barnes, I would probably feel differently if they just gave him some backstory. His backstory is Terry Silver opened a magazine. And there he was. And there's an ad. And that's it. I just want to know what made him the bad boy. Where did he come from? Did he win six state titles in, you know, Montana? Where, did his dad fucking abuse him or where, something? Exactly. Yeah. It's just he's a hired gun with no backstory. Yeah. It's lazy. Is Kreese's Cobra Kai a cult? Fuck, man. If you, what helps too is the show Cobra Kai. Yeah. Spoilers. Johnny brings back Cobra Kai, but then he, Johnny gets a heart in Cobra Kai. He becomes more of a sympathetic character. You kind of want, you're rooting for Johnny. You want him to wake up, even though he's stuck in the fucking 80s. He's an alcoholic and you want him to win. So he's like, let me bring in my sensei to kind of structure things. And all of a sudden, fucking Kreese takes all of his kids and all the kids drink the fucking Kool Aid. Yeah. So, of course, Cobra Kai is a goddamn cult. At least Crease makes it a cult, Kreese not is, Johnny. Yeah, Crease's Cobra Kai is a cult, which we'll get into. It's in not a, Eagle Fang. We'll get into in a second. Crane kick or kata? 
Crane kicks quicker. That kata takes 25 fucking minutes. That kata sucks. It's stupid. It's and all fine. of it is is a fucking judo throw it's, almost. Kata's fine for like practicing, you know, like a practicing. Not karate. fucking you ass do kicking. Kata in your own gym, fine. Yeah. But not in a tournament final. No. <laughs> tournament final. Let me stop and do kata. Kata is supposed to center you, center your being, make all the anxiety go away to calm down, to focus, not fucking put on a performance like that. Excluding Hillary Swank. And the next Karate Kid, Hillary Swank's hot, or Jaden Smith's Karate Kid, okay, is Mr. Miyagi because I I haven't seen the Jaden Smith one again and the Hillary Swank one. I'm just going to exclude because a little bit different. Is Mr. Miyagi the only truly good character in the saga? Yes. Banzai, Daniel-san. Hey, Banzai. 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 He's a World War II veteran. He's got a Medal of Honor. Yeah, he's been through a lot of shit. He taking these kids in. And all he is is a fucking maintenance man at an apartment complex mm-hmm. in Reseda. He gives Daniel a truck or a car or whatever that is. Here's the like, thing that makes no sense. Where's Miyagi getting all this money, especially in the first movie? He has all these vintage cars. He has a beautiful Japanese-style house. Yeah. He works as a fucking maintenance guy. He's not the landlord. I don't know. He's the maintenance guy. Yeah, there, there's a lot. I mean, I wish Pat Morita were still alive because there's yeah. a lot of Miyagi backstory that we're missing. Hey, you ever get into fights when you were a kid? Uh, plenty. Yeah, but it wasn't like a problem I have, right? Why? Fighting, fighting. Same, same. Yeah, but you knew karate. <laughs> Someone always know more. You mean there were times when you were scared to fight? Always scared. Miyagi hate the fighting. Yeah, but you like karate. So? So karate's fighting. You train to fight. That's what you think. No. Then why train? So I won't have to fight. <laughs> Miyagi have a hope for you. I mean, we know he lived in Okinawa. We know he had the uh, the woman that he loved and, you know, the feud with Sato came to America. We don't know for what reason. Yeah. I don't think we know what reason. And yeah, works as a, a maintenance man for not like for hire uh, apartment building. Maintenance At a man. shitty apartment building in Reseda that Daniel thinks is a shithole. Yeah. But yeah, he has enough to own 10 vehicles and his house and yep. all this other stuff. And then ironically, Johnny becomes the maintenance guy in said apartment building in Reseda yep. in Cobra Kai. Was Daniel the real villain? Hey, what's with you? I expect me to do cartwheels or something? No, I just expect a little bit of courtesy, maybe. But I guess that's just for people with fancy cars and things like that, right? Right? Hey, can't you take a hint? What's the matter, truth hurt? So you really think that's it, don't you? Yeah, I know that's it. Yeah, well, you're wrong. Oh, I bet I'm wrong. You know, Daniel, I didn't go out with you because of a car or or where you live. Okay, well, while you're on the subject, why did you then? Huh? Why did you? Because I I thought that... What? I thought that maybe you and I were different. Yeah, we're different. I'm from Reseda. You're from the hills. That's how we're different. Yeah, he's a fucking, he disrupted everybody's goddamn life. I would say he's not. I would say he's a catalyst for getting all of the events pushed into motion. I'd say he has a bit of tunnel vision. He really maybe is selfish and only cares about himself. He's an asshole. But I would say the real villain is Crease. Is that what's bothering you? The odds. Well, we can fix that. You like matching Mr. Lawrence? Yes, Sensei. Uh, no more fighting. 
This is a karate dojo, not a knitting class. You don't come in my dojo and drop a challenge and leave, old man. Now, you get your boy on the matter, you and I will have a major problem. Which is a little sad, too, because once Cobra Kai happens... Oh, you get his backstory in Vietnam. You find out why Kreese is the way he is, but again, not one of those things that you necessarily can dismiss like no. it's so recency bias aside is cobra kai better than the movies <sighs> was this a story that's worth continuing because the show wouldn't be like like is the show necessary like are these characters worth continuing there's the one overwhelming problem with cobra kai i mean you have discussed this quite a bit it's the fact that the characters shoot themselves in the foot every time they take 12 steps forward they take 14 back yeah it's like, all right, Johnny's there. He figured it out. Then he fucks up on booze, and then he's back to square one. And, my, my biggest gripe and about it's that constant. show, three seasons, I think there's like 30 episodes now. Yeah. If Johnny and Daniel would just have a grown-up adult conversation, the show wouldn't be necessary. And they don't get it till the final episode of the season finale of season three. Yeah. So and it takes Allie to bring them together. So let's talk about Cobra Kai. I don't have anything left in the concession stand. Let's talk about Cobra Kai. Right, so let's do it. Well, first, let's talk a little bit about Next Karate Kid. So Miyagi is going to a World War II like veteran convention in to visit his friend in like North Carolina. Okay. And this is where he sees a girl who almost gets hit by a car and she hurdles up onto the hood instead of getting hit by a car. This, I can't. I saw this movie once and when it came out, because I came out in 94. Does he even so, mention what happened to Daniel? I don't remember. But so basically he sees this girl. She jumps up on the hood of the car. He kind of like trains her because she's getting bullied by all these guys. So it Which, basically why? in a couple weeks, Miyagi just like teaches this girl how to kick ass. She has a, a cool... Miyagi fights a dude at the end of this too, I think. Like some sort of biker white supremacist or something. I don't know. <laughs> QAnon um, member? Yeah. So, but next Karate Kid's not that bad. If you revisit, it's really not that it's bad. It's on Netflix now. And then the Karate Kid remake with Jaden Smith, they like move from Jaden Smith and his mom move from like Detroit to China, which is pretty common that people do that. It happens a and lot. And he trains with, it's not, uh, thankfully when they remade it, they didn't call him Miyagi. He wasn't Miyagi. Yeah. He wasn't Daniel. Like this is new characters. <laughs> He's just Jackie it's Chan. It's a reimagining. And I'm pretty sure in Cobra Kai that they mention Jackie Chan. Yeah. So they, I think in Cobra Kai, see the Jaden Smith Karate Kid movie as a movie. They've encompassed canon. <clears throat> yes. So then uh, brings us to Cobra Kai, which is 30 years later. Yes. Is Johnny is a maintenance man. He's kind of, uh, he's an alcoholic. He doesn't know what to do with his life. He is literally stuck in 1985. Stuck in 1985. Everything about him. He has the same car. Everything about him stuck in 85. He's living like he's the king shit of high school. He basically meets his, uh, his neighbor's son who he starts Training. Training. So he's the Miyagi character. Yes. So exactly. Johnny's basically Miyagi and the neighbor Miguel is basically the new Din. Mm -hmm. But there's there's a lot of twists and turns. Johnny reopens Cobra Kai. He he kinda is stuck somewhere between knowing he doesn't want to push the abuse on them that yeah. John Kreese pushed on him, but he also wants them to stand up for themselves and like be badasses. Enter Daniel. Enter Daniel. Who is owns a car or multiple car dealerships. He's a rich asshole. He's a rich asshole. He kind of has a shrine to Miyagi. He like trains sparingly, not for much. For recreation, basically. Yeah. Teach, he, he has a small dojo in he's his He's taught home. his kids. 
which he has multiple kids. But I, after season one, I don't think you see his like son. You do. You see his son, I think, a little bit, but not much. Yeah, it's mostly just his daughter. Yeah. Who's like the star student. Well, what you find out also is that Johnny has a son. Who's a fucking unlovable asshole. Well, yeah. I mean, his dad was, was Johnny. But I'm saying I can't stand a fucking kid yeah, in real life to explain him. But... <laughs> Johnny, uh, Johnny has a son. Both parents are a mess. Johnny's Johnny. The mom's like on drugs and with different men and stuff. So. It's a Karate Kid 3 variable. Yeah, yeah, basically. So this all culminates. Johnny's student is Miguel and Daniel trains Johnny's son. And who doesn't initially know who his father is. So then you see the uh, All Valley Tournament, and I'll save that. In season two, you know, just more of the fallout from the tournament. The high school And the training. Brawl. There's a high school brawl. It's ridiculous. Basically, a war starts between Miyagi-Do kids. They call it a karate war. Yeah, and Cobra Kai kids. So it's real fascinating because, you know, Johnny is kind of this, this evolving character. And from yeah. his point of view, he had everything made. You know, he was... Uh, he was like this rich kid. He had he was the girl. popular one. He was popular. You know, he was all Valley champion. And then Daniel is this new kid who moves in, moves in on his girlfriend, you know, gives him shit at the, you know, wins the tournament and stuff. So um, that's the one thing about Daniel. We never, ever established though. He never really became or literally they never mention if he became the new popular guy in high school. Like no. you never see him graduate. You never see all that no, shit. It's weird. And uh, so Daniel, he's just a, a kind of an arrogant, you know, dealership owner. Mm-hmm. And uh, he does the whole, he still lives in the past because like his car dealership revolves around, like he kicks the competition and stuff. It's pretty lame. I mean, 30 years ago, a lot of people still bring up the fact that he won the all Valley. He beat Johnny Lawrence. Yeah. And they make a lot of jokes, of but it, they but. never mention Mike Barnes. No, yet, no, anyways. not yet. And and that is the thing. The other thing about the show is that the show pretty much brings back or references everyone from the movies. Like yeah. the other members of Cobra Kai chosen is in season three. Yumiko is. Yeah, Yumiko is in season Allie, three. Allie, fucking Elizabeth Shue came She's back. She's great. It's, it's cool. And where they left it on season three is pretty cool. I mean, it's season three to me, just it just didn't move the plot forward enough. It's the one thing that's frustrating. And I brought it up like two or three episodes in. It's like, all right, you figured shit out. Five minutes later, I, I'd say something to you. It's like, you're back to fucking square one again. It's yeah. They are their own worst enemies. Both of them as yes. characters. Yeah. But it literally took Allie to finally get them to put their shit together. Yeah. Yeah. If they, if these two would just have an adult conversation, then this show would be three episodes instead of 30. And now season four is going to go back around to the all, the next all Valley tournament where if Daniel's Miyagi do wins, yeah. Kreese's Cobra Kai leaves forever. Right. Which, you know, inevitably that's probably going to what happened. I hope because I don't want them to beat a dead horse. With I, this it show. sounds like they see dollars and they see now, we know about beating the dead horse because the guys that made Cobra Kai were the ones that made last week's episode, the American Pie Saga. Mm-hmm. So they kind of beat a dead horse well, with that like one. Like I said, I, from everything I read, and maybe they're just trying to throw us off the scent, they've got like season seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve playing like Walking Dead type. It's literally going to be bad, just like Walking Dead. It's going to be bad like Dexter. It's, know when to get out. <laughs> they're going to have to go. They're going to go so far that they're going to have to go back. Allie's like, kid is going to show yeah, up. Yeah, they're going to bring back. Remember this character from season two? Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I now the good thing that has going for it, well, maybe not good, is 
Netflix seems to like preemptively cancel everything. They do. Netflix is like, we're no, you get two seasons, you're done. And there's like good stuff that they've canceled. That's like really like, and it's the shit that's made them man, tons of money. Mindhunter is so good. And I love it. It's like cool. Everybody's on board. David Fincher. But then again, they do have other shows that aren't that great. And they're and like keep six them. seasons. Yeah. Like, so what are you doing? I could see Cobra Kai going two more seasons, basically. I would love for them to just end it after this one. This, just one I mean, more. Where, that's it. With where they're at, I would say they could almost end it here. Like, spoiler free, you know, they're going to have the culmination, the All Valley, you know, but where they ended it kind of is a, a great point. And they're going to have the All Valley. And we're, me and you are thinking that. They got to bring in Terry Silver and Mike Barnes. Oh, they are because okay. they set up Terry Silver. Yeah, they did. Vietnam. Because, yeah, they his, gave his us Vietnam buddy. They gave us background on Crease, and he was in Vietnam, and what happened in Vietnam, and why Terry Silver owes a debt to him. And there was almost some hints in season one that Terry Silver could be Miguel's dad. Kind of hope they don't go that uh, route because it's just like too plot convenient. Yeah, if Terry Silver is Miguel's dad, because that's just like. Too it was weird. good to see Elizabeth Shue back. Now, granted, she's been back. She was on The Boys. Yeah. Season one of The Boys. So, so yeah, I, I'd be fine if they just set up season four with the All Valley, the fallout from the All Valley, and that was kind of the end. If they went beyond, I just can't imagine where they could go. There's no, plus the kids are all getting old enough to where they can't fight in the All Valley anymore. <laughs> no, they can't. So you can't really keep it going there. And long. this all Valley came back on a whim. Just the, the begging of the kids being, listen, karate's bringing us together. It's not the, what caused the violence. It's these adults that are acting like assholes that are I, doing it. Cobra Kai's honestly, I don't know if it's better than the movies because karate kid one's iconic. Yeah. But it is, it's right. How they, okay. They wanted to revisit. They didn't yeah. make a new movie. No, they gave you digestible, 30 minute episodes. Nostalgia. They gave you nostalgia back. I mean, these are, there's 30 episodes. There are 30 minutes each. So you can finish up to, the, you can get caught up in I 15 finished, hours. I finished the whole fucking season in a day. Yeah. You I can had get, a day off and I did it. You can watch all three seasons over a weekend if you really committed. And then it's good. I mean, it absolutely. I mean, I will completely mark out if during the last episode of season four, Joe Esposito's the best oh, place. They have to. They have to do that song. They have to. Yeah. So, all right. I think that's enough Karate Kid conversation. Whoa. 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 Stick around for some plugs. Hey, this is Angela, your lifeguard, and you're listening to the Pool Scene Podcast. Once again, Pool Sceners, thank you for checking out the pod this week. Remember, if you want to know what's going on, any updates, any exciting things coming around the corner, check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Pool Scene Podcast. Also at Pool Scene Pod on the Twitter. Also, if you want to drop us a line, send us an email at Pool Scene Podcast at gmail.com. Any movie ideas. We have some amazing movies coming up. If there's a movie you want us to cover, let us know. You're on the journey with us, and now back to Kevin. All right, everyone. We are glad that you stuck around with us for the season three finale, The Deep End. Now, yes. for season four, we're going to dive into some uh, different territory, some more fun things. We don't, I think, have it hammered out completely. No. But I do know that in season four, my wife is going to join us. It's going to be exciting. I'm excited and for it. And we are going to do the middle tooth thetan. <laughs> we're going to do 
the only musical we'll probably ever do, Rock of Ages. Yes. So if you want to watch that one, for better or worse, you can. Now, the one thing I'm excited about that we will be doing is we're going to do something, a special episode, which we call The Swim Meet. And it's going to be covering a documentary that Kevin and I love more than life itself. We will be covering how the world first saw Arnold Schwarzenegger in Pumping Iron. Now, that episode... It's going to be structured a little differently. It's not going to be a full-length episode because it's a documentary. There's only so much you can talk about. But Pumping Iron is so amazingly Arnold that we have to cover it. Yeah, it's it's one of our favorites. It's so good. Who has my blue shirt? <laughs> uh, and then we, we've got a, a number of titles that I'm going to throw out that we may or may not do, so don't hold us to this. Yes. But because we, we do have some, uh, some wiggle room. Talked about doing Color of Money, which also Tom Cruise, so it may get thrown out. Police Academy 5. Kevin and I's favorite Police Academy movie. Love that movie. Vision Quest, which Jim mentioned. Yep. We do a sports movie every season, if you haven't noticed. Yep. Uh, we try and do basically either like a Schwarzenegger, a Bruce Willis. Stallone. A Stallone, a Tom Cruise. Yes. A, you know, one of those guys like every season. So have a Tom Cruise. Um, but Captain Ron. Captain Ron has one of the weirdest scenes in a family movie ever. I'm not going to divulge yeah. it, but it's a great movie to cover. Airheads, which we brought, we've brought, we brought up. up, you know, refer to our Buckaroo Banzai episode with stand-up comedian Matt Liller when we talked about Airheads. <laughs> one that we've we probably should have done in season one that we keep putting off, The Burbs. Yeah, I, we have Tom to do Hanks. The Burbs. Yeah. Now, Rick Dukeman, one our of, buddy. One of our other buddies, Mark Wahlberg. It all could have been different, Mr. Walker. Yeah, so David McCall, The Happening, which is basically a movie about killer plants. <laughs> and grass. Yeah, so... A number of things. I mean, uh, again, we, we may swap out some of those, but just kind of what we think we're going to be doing. To give you guys time to actually watch the movie and lend us your thoughts on top of it. Yeah, but please, you know, visit our Instagram, visit our Facebook. We'll make this season, we're going to make an effort to announce everything in advance mm -hmm. so that you've got time to watch the movie before you listen to the episode. Yeah, change it up. That way it's a little bit more fun for you to, uh, to know what we're going to be talking about. Uh, this is a fun season, dude. This yeah. was a great season it, from... This season felt, and I think it's because there was a couple breaks with the holidays. Yeah. This season felt really long. It did. But I think it's, like I said, you've got Thanksgiving in there. We well, had Christmas. We had a COVID scare. Yeah. Yeah. So it's... <laughs> We've ran the gun. We We've run some, the game. We took some time off for New Year's. So this, Seasons changed. Yeah. But season four, I mean, this is kind of that lull of the year where you hit January and then from January until like Easter, there's like nothing. I mean... Unless you're a big celebrator of Valentine's Day, which is a made-up holiday. Yes, it is. Or St. Patrick's Day, which who does, I mean... You can't really do it again this year either, so... I can remember when I worked at a, a warehouse, I had trained a kid who, God, this was like such a terrible position to be in. He went out drinking kegs and eggs before work, wait, and he came to, to work it. hammered. <laughs> It's like, dude. In a warehouse with heavy equipment. Please stay home. Don't yeah. come to, like, call off. Don't come to work. Plus, I think the older we have gotten, we just, we can't fucking do it anymore. Oh, no, we just no can't. way. I have, like, two beers. I want to go to bed. I'm yeah. tired, man. Yeah. Well, our, our Browns, uh, unfortunately, eliminated from playoffs, but. Still proud know, of them. I'll have a couple beers when I watch Browns games, and it's like, depending on when the game, like, when they played 8 o'clock, I think that was the last game of the season. Yeah, against yeah. the Steelers. When they played the 8 o'clock game. No, that was that was the first playoff game. Oh, yeah, yeah. They played at 8. I drank like three. I, I drank IPAs. I drank like, you know, higher percent beers or whatever. But 
I drank like three or four beers. I woke up. I felt had a headache. Like I hell. had a headache. I'm like, am I hungover? I had like three beers. How bad is that that we've gotten to that point where we have to question if it's being hungover or not? Yeah, and that's why if if the Browns play at one, I'll have a you know I'll have a couple beers and I'm like I'm good by evening. Yeah, and I kind of can shake it off. But if I drink like late, like if you and I were to go out at 10 p.m. Oh fuck, dude! I first off, I'd be lucky to stay awake. <laughs> And second, I'd be in trouble the next day. I don't want to go out past 10, uh, 10 p.m. anymore. I just don't want to. We old. Damn straight. And, yeah, and that's another thing is just because we old, we don't want to get necessarily in the habit of covering all old movies, yeah. all 80s, you know. So if you've got suggestions, as always, reach out. We'll do anything. We will make a concerted effort to jump more into the 2000s to 2010s. But the way the movies are right now, there's nothing we can do because movie theaters are shut down. Movies have been halted. Yeah, that's that's a whole crazy thing too because, you know, you've got, yeah, like stuff going straight to HBO. Yeah. And uh, it's... And then we just, I just learned today that Netflix had a randomizer feature that will pick movies for you. But you said, uh, you sent me an article and I looked at the date of the article. Was it like, older? This is old. No, the, the article is from like today. Oh. But I've had that randomizer button for probably six months. I have never noticed it. And it said that Netflix, you know, has been in the testing process. So I wonder if like... Somehow, I was randomly selected as part of the testing Possible. group. I've never used it. I think that'd be a fun feature to as do. As soon as I get to the um, sign-in screen where it asks you to select your account, I have a button that just says, like, shuffle or play something, whatever, and it'll just start playing something. I've never had that before whatsoever. Yeah, then maybe it'll be nice to eventually here do another watch-along. We haven't done that one of those in a while. Yeah, we uh, we hope to have uh, Corey Hayes back on at some point and do Independence Day. Yes. Which uh, maybe we should say for summer. Yeah, I but, think that'd be perfect. Uh, it'd be good to release We'll do it for Independence Day. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be a smart way to do it. Uh, but until next time, which will be season four, the jump off of season four, we're glad you have joined us. And as always, Silencia. Silencia.